Did you assume it was his wife? No. Okay. Who would you have thought? Yeah, who did you think it was? I feel like you're just his being a contrarian daughter. Right now. No, his older daughter. Hey, look at this. It looks like I have it. It looks like my dick's hard. <laughs> you could listen. Never have children. Jay's, all I can Jay's you right face now. when you said that. <laughs> Welcome back, everybody, to S1E1, a show where each week we pick a different sitcom, watch just the first televised episode, and forgetting anything we may know about the future run of that series, rate it and decide if it's a series that we would greenlight or cancel. This week we're discussing Curb Your Enthusiasm. Curb Your Enthusiasm currently has 110 episodes and a one-hour special through 11 seasons with a 12th season on the way. You can find it in its entirety on HBO and HBO Max. It was first released October 15th, 2000. I am Nick, joined by Ferg, Jay, Joe, and Gordo, and we are your hosts this week. We're trying something a little bit different as Jay is taking a break from hosting duties for this episode. How is it going, guys? I feel like, um, you know when you're at dinner and everyone kind of has their normal place in the family and you sit at someone else's chair for like one night and it feels <laughs> awkward the whole time? I feel that's how I feel right now. I feel like I'm sitting in dad's chair. No, bitch, you get to the kids' table. Yeah. Well, for dinner, instead of alcohol tonight, let's all have a nice big box of Boku, because <laughs> <laughs> that's it, clearly I, what this episode is all I think like. about when I see him for some reason, because I've never, a, I've never had a Boku in my life. It was what disgusting. B, it's the, uh, Richard Lewis you, was the spokesperson for years for Boku, which is basically like an adult juice box, right? Was it alcoholic, or was it? No, no alcohol. Just no, juice. yeah, it was literally just juice. just juice. It was just advertised as juice for adults. And, and it like <laughs> opened up, like it didn't have a straw. I think it just opened up and like it had you like took a big a, mouth. Yeah, and you it, and I don't know why, but all I remember Richard Lewis ever doing is that commercial besides Curb Your Enthusiasm. Oh, it's a, it's a juice box. It's yeah. for adults. It was like him <laughs> doing his like shit. So yeah. much money into that campaign, and it was like it's one of those someone overthought it, right? Because you can just drink a kid's juice box. It's not that you need a sophisticated juice for an adult. Well, I think the volume was part of it too, though, because like a kid's juice box is like seven ounces or whatever. And the Bokus were big. It was like a can of like 12 ounces or whatever. So I think part of it too was like, you're thirsty and here's a whole big serving of it. But to, to quote a different TV show, you? Superstore, that's entirely too much juice. Or you can why? just have a glass of juice. I, I was going to say, or you could get like one of those regular, like, Minute Maids, or... You can get a bottle of juice, yes, that you yeah. can reseal and not just puncture and have to drink all at once, or it's going to get right. oxidized. Correct. Yeah, when Boku came out, that's when... I don't know if you can still get, like, the high C cans like you used to if you use the church key on, but oh. that was a very odd <clears throat> packaging choice for juice. Uh, Boku was actually around until 2003, so he was still the Boku spokesperson on this episode. Do you think 20-year-old Boku is edible? Can we get a case of Boku going? Yeah, so uh, Boku was a fruit juice brand. There's no way it's not all wine now. Marketed in the United States from 1990 to 2003. Guys, I, I don't know if you missed out on what Ferg just fucking broke my brain with. If we find old Boku, it's probably alcoholic now. And I think this <laughs> yeah. really needs to happen. Good point, yeah. This is also not the first time we've talked about Boku on this show. It's no, not- I... I think Richard Lewis came up on. I was going to say it would have to be Richard up. Lewis that brought it up. Yeah, was he on another show we did? 
I don't, I don't think believe so. so. I mean, I'm sure we just tangent out to Richard Lewis at some point. When did yeah. we ever talk about Boku before now? Yeah, I think I'm we have, confused. though. Any of our listeners who are deep divers, you remember all the episodes, if you can find where we mentioned Boku previously. I'm sure the conversation went almost exactly the same as this one's yeah. going right now. It was a shorter one. I think it was just kind of a brief mention, but yeah. Uh, I was the person who picked this episode. Uh, I just, I, sometimes there's no rhyme or reason to what I pick. I just kind of Google search sitcoms and pick the one that stands out to me. And I love this show. It's, uh, the star is Larry David, who is co-creator of Seinfeld, which if you haven't heard of, then you, I don't know why you're listening to this podcast. Has anybody not but seen this show? We welcome you anyway. Yes, we do. Uh, has anybody? I'll you've admit, never seen this, Gordo? Gordo, I'm not. I'm not surprised, but like it's. I am weird. a little surprised. Uh, no, because I never had HBO. Okay. I mean, that's a good I reason. Mean, I'll yeah. say this: I haven't watched much. I've only seen a couple episodes. I've seen all of it up to the new ones. But to, to Gordo's point, I didn't have HBO when this came out either. Right? This would have been like when we were in high school. But yeah. this is one of those first shows that I bought all the DVDs of. I I've knew you were going to say any that. of the. Yeah, I've never seen any of the new seasons. I'd the say I probably few. got through eight or nine seasons and then kind of fell off not for any good reason but i just kind of stopped i still have to catch up i'll tell you it gets old i love this show but after a while it gets every episode's the same i think i am a little surprised that somebody like larry david has allowed it to last this long you know what i mean like i feel like he should be the one one of the people who is like okay we've had our run that's that but now we're going getting on. views and, and then like, they write him a check and he goes, okay, let's keep going. <laughs> but that he says, doesn't though, need if, the check. Well, yeah, we'll talk about that because that comes up organically in a bit. But Larry David's net worth is $400 million. Yeah. <laughs> he doesn't need the check. He must be having fun because that's yeah. more money than anybody in the world needs. Oh, maybe Larry David can buy WWE and fire Vince McMahon. Everything would be right with the world. <laughs> well, this is a show that's like largely improv that he's just calling all his friends to be in on at any yep. given time. And they're just kind of goofing around. And people are watching it, so it's like, why not? Yeah. One of my favorite things about this show, and there's a couple of great examples, as I'm sure we'll call it as they come up. Jay, you had mentioned that it's largely improv. There are a couple scenes where the actors start breaking and genuinely laughing. And yeah. I've seen this episode probably 20 times over the course of my life, and I laughed so hard at both times that the actors were laughing too, because it feels so genuine and so funny when they're I, really I can think of up. at least one of those in this episode, which I think is one of the parts you wrote for. Not, yeah, I've got two of them. Yeah, one of them yeah. is one of my part. Yeah. You know what? It's one of those. I guess there's no better time to talk about it than now, too. It's one of those situations where I'm familiar with the show. I don't, but I'm not a big watcher of it. Like I said, I've seen a couple episodes ever. So I knew there was a lot of improv involved, but I didn't know that it was like mainly improv. So when I'm watching this episode, I'm like, what's going on? Like it felt too loose. You know what I mean? Like they were kind of doing it on But it go. feels real in that aspect, too, doesn't it? Yeah. I like, love I it feel like it you does get feel a, real. Like a. Almost a reality vibe out of it because the dialogue is so non-specific, I guess, you know? Yeah, at times, but... Um, this is also a great face show. Like, a lot of... This is a lot of face mm -hmm. acting in this show where, like, they can convey a lot without a line just by a face. Oh, I, my God. I had that kind of in my notes that, like, there's a few points in, like, my area where, like, they just pan to Larry David and I'm like, how the fuck do I even say, like, he looks dejected? Yeah, like, it, you just you did know, it, hey, like, you just nailed it, bud. <laughs> yeah, like I mean, there's but there's a lot of that, and what I do like about this show too is that it does the the, the sad trumpet. There's definitely a <laughs> yeah. lot of sad trumpets. Or burr, 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 burr. Can somebody help me with the math on this though? Because we're coming up to the twelfth season, and it started twenty three years ago. They took a hiatus at one point, right? 
every season is usually a few years apart. Okay. Oh, All right. They oh, okay. took a long hiatus at one There point. was a break in between, though, for a long time, yeah. But it's not one of those shows that usually comes out, like, every September. It's, like, whenever they get around to it, because it's not, like, on a strict schedule. And I think that HBO at 1.2 just said, <coughs> as long as you want to keep doing it whenever you want to do it. So that's not, like, a right, strict yeah. thing. Like, every now and then he just dumps a few episodes on the front porch. He's like... <laughs> Put those out whenever you want. <laughs> I made yeah. these. Now, does he make them too, or is this HBO like an HBO crew? It's a production. Well? It's all HBO. Oh yeah, no, it's a full production. It started yeah. a lot smaller, which I think is very obvious in this episode. But there's definitely like if you were to compare newer episodes to now, there was like a no budget on this early stuff. And then when people were watching it, they're like, "Well, we better at least buy a couple better cameras because this shit looked this... like it was filmed on an iPhone." Not even, but it didn't iPhones look bad. Better. I, yeah, I mean, it's just a product of the times. It's almost 25 years ago as far as technology goes. So, Do you know um, what it looks like a lot to me? Uh, the way it's filmed and the way it's shot and the quality of the film and everything. It reminded me a lot of the British office. I could see that. Or even the original. Even season one of the U.S. office. seasons of the U.S. Yeah. office, yeah. I will say the quality definitely bothered me. Like, that was, it was a little dark, a little shaky. The audio was echoing in the houses and stuff. I'm pretty sure it's not even formatted widescreen. Yeah, maybe I'm just used to it. I didn't notice because I've always watched this show, so I saw nothing different than what I was used to. Yeah, so I guess for yeah, me to same. come in a little fresh for the most part, like yeah, I, I think it took me a little by surprise because I know the production's gone up a lot in recent years. Anyway, oh yeah. What's great about this show too is there's a lot of characters who come in and out of it all the time, right? Like Larry David, or obviously is in every episode, right? His family stays in, Jeff stays in, Richard Lewis is always in and out. But it's one of those shows because of that that it doesn't usually follow a totally linear path. Some seasons do. But you could literally just put on a random episode. Yeah, and you can come in and enjoy it anytime. All the way through. Gordo, I'm gonna represent uh, recommend an episode for you if you want to watch a second episode of this show that I think you'll really like. Look up the episode Kamikaze Bingo. Okay. And if I may interject real quick, I don't want to step on your toes, Nick, but I do want to remind everyone s one one podcom is where you can go to find all the social medias and links to where you can listen to us. I'm sure you can hear us if you're listening to this right now. But follow us on Twitter, Instagram, all that s one one pod on those. We would appreciate it very much because we love the downloads are going up, but our socials are like a slow climb. So if if you want to see our faces, it's actually not a treat at all when you actually catch them. But, um, <laughs> you know, you can see some videos of us doing these uh, these episodes and little snippets and other shit. So. And also, now that everybody's familiar with this show, I would love to go back and edit all the times that Gordo makes a joke that nobody laughs at and then just interject. Dun 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 dun. If we have like. um. Like someone who like literally like had all our what is it like the archives like what what are the what are those people called archivists archivists, archivists. <laughs> <laughs> but like someone who can go through them all and make make like like little reels like that like every every Gordo joke and by the way I'll tell you guys listening when Gordo edits the episode he cuts down the silence <laughs> between the, the joke and then when we talk again. Yeah. So you don't hear how long it's just dead silence trying to process what he said. <laughs> and then uh, also there'd be a nice reel. You'd have to probably put it behind a paywall. But like every time Joe's told a joke that we couldn't leave in the episode. I would love to get a compilation <laughs> of all of my uh, times that I've been censored by you guys. Fark we're, too. we're so like. I have never done anything wrong. Yeah. Okay. Me. We're your mother like, tells you. We have a deep line. And for those of you guys who listen to us every week, you guys know like our humor levels are. Not appropriate. Every single episode is listed as explicit. For Joe to still say things that we have to, as a group, say no. 
we can't put that in. <laughs> yeah. that, that says a lot. I'm still mad you edited John Bidet Ramsey. I know you've brought it up in like 70 episodes ever since. Well, now we have to edit it again. Thanks. Yeah, no, it's, thanks. He's mentioned it in episodes that have been released. It's it's out there now. I Joe, just didn't think it was appropriate. <laughs> I don't and, and and I don't I don't go to the committee on it. I just do it and ask for forgiveness later. I might yeah, have to like over here. grab the video clip because as Joe said it again today, you could see Gordo's eyes <laughs> fall out of his head the moment he did it. Um so the the show starts and you don't really get an intro. You just kind of get the the classic. I mean, if you've never seen it, you don't know, but it's just the classic Curb Your Enthusiasm melody over the name of the show. It just says Curb Your Enthusiasm and the music kind of plays through the, you know, and fades out into the first scene. What do you guys think of the music? Is it? Did you know he, he snagged that from a commercial? That yeah. that no. music was in a commercial and he liked it, so he just found out what it was and used it. Really? Oh, really? I yeah. just assumed that he was parodying old sitcoms. I forget what like, commercial. Like, it was I a bank it commercial. Was like, it was like an insurance or something, like right? I think it was a bank. Yeah, and the song's called yeah. Frolic. Yeah. Huh. That's funny. I didn't know that. I did not know that. It must be nice to have Paul like that. To have some like because Larry like and nobody else could be like find that commercial, find who made the music, and buy it. Yeah, um, when you have four hundred million dollars, <laughs> it's easy to put somebody on the case. For yeah, something. right. Yeah, he used to have four hundred and one million dollars. <laughs> Poor guy. Yeah, I'm sure there's actually an easy phone call between like somebody in the industry calling whatever company made that bank's commercial. You know what oh I mean? yeah, like, I mean they wasn't made the heart of a the little like guy, like the guy who's just home making that little jingle who like works like privately to do music for like commercials and shit gets a call like, "Hey, the guy who helped create Seinfeld wants to buy your song for an absorbent <laughs> amount of money." Maybe it was then, Uncle Jesse and Joey from when they were jingle writers. Maybe. Oh, I yeah. love that. I wonder though if uh, they. Meow, meow, I'm trying to think meow, if meow. they always use like the same riff of this music, or if they maybe brought him in to like make new riffs for different transitions and stuff like that. Maybe he made a bunch of money in the studio too. I don't know. I want to say that there's like an extended version of it that they play like throughout this show. The end of the episode is like the well, whole. Well, I'm sure song. it's a longer song than yeah. what was used in the initial commercial to begin with, and then you know he's just snipping different mm -hmm. parts of it. 100 episodes, all the times it plays, all the DVDs and Blu-rays sold. Like, oh, yeah. I always use um, Danny Elfman as the example, where it's like, how often does The Simpsons play on TV somewhere in the United States over the past 30-something years? Like, even if he just got five cents every time that happened, that dude is so rich oh my God, on yeah. just that alone, you know? The amount of money he's made off Tim Burton alone. Yeah, Batman and Pee-wee, <laughs> right? You know? Yeah, it's like I said, like, like our intro, right? Our We play, what, like 30 seconds of that song in the beginning of the episode. It's like a five-minute song. Yeah. Humanoid, right? Yes. So this the scene opens and it's literally just someone's crotch and you can see a hand like playing with the fabric of the crotch. It wasn't until later on that I remembered. Didn't Gordo have an issue with the crease at one point? I Pants yes, tent. I it's did. the fucking crease. Is <laughs> I just remember making that joke, but I can't remember the context of it. I was well, it's because I would it would look <clears throat> like I'd get a boner. Yeah, and so you this guys is would rip the on whole me. premise it, of this episode. It, it, the exactly. entire premise, yeah. So and we pan out and we see we don't know his name yet. I mean, I, th that was weird thinking about this, like because he doesn't get named for the first you know minute or so. But I feel like everybody knows this is Larry David, right? That wasn't a secret. Like he's not playing a different character or anything. I'll now. say this. So I went in this the way that we intend to do it, but often don't. I tried watching it pretending I knew nothing about the show. 
So if you don't know anything about the show and you're watching this pilot for the first time, you even if you know it's Larry David, you don't know he's playing Larry David. Right, yeah. Until way later into the episode. Unless, I mean, there was probably advertisements for the show before it came out. Possibly, like, yeah. That... It wasn't until he name drops Richard Lewis that I go, oh, wait a minute. Like, because you, you can't just casually say I was on the phone with Richard Lewis. Like, that's a normal right, thing. Yeah. So. so he's obviously... A person of some importance, at least. Yeah, you're forgetting too, though. This is post the Curb Enthusiasm special that came out before, like a year before this. It was an hour oh, long. It was kind okay. of a dry yeah, run yeah. of this. That's so true. So you kind of you had seen that, you know. But the, the like regular person who hadn't seen that special, right? Probably coming into this, yeah. You probably, especially if you're a Seinfeld <laughs> fan, because he's all over Seinfeld. Like you see him and hear him in episodes constantly. Yeah. Also, this show gave Seinfeld the proper finale. The episode. Oh, yeah. If you guys like Seinfeld, there's literally a whole season of Curb Enthusiasm that's about making a new season of Seinfeld. And it is so satisfying. It is ridiculous. Yeah. I, it is I really remember good. when that happened. I, I never watched the episode. And I was convinced that this was all like precursor to like get a buzz going to create the show. Like I thought that's where the end of that was going to be. Like it was all just to get a new Seinfeld up and running. I mean, I'm sure that was probably at least partially on the table. But uh, was, uh, I meant to, was the, oh man, what is Kramer's real name? I can't think of it. Richard, Michael Richards. Michael Cosmo. Richards. Michael Richards, yeah. Um, was yeah. his appearance on Curb Your Enthusiasm after his racial oh, yeah. tirade? Yeah, okay. Yeah, so Years later. His appearance, wow, everything okay. you've seen him in, it was before that. Except for the episode of like comedians in cars getting coffee. Well, no, this was after it though, right? Yeah, yeah, Michael Richards getting racist was well after when he was on Curb. Well, oh, after he was okay after after that whole thing he disappeared he does right. do he, but he comes back or... and does curb at well after the oh he did thing. do curb after that yeah yeah oh okay that racist thing was probably around when this episode came out but the yeah i was gonna say that was like 20 years ago yeah because i know like yeah. up until like when he did that like comedians and cars thing like he like <laughs> he was like basically like all but saying like yeah i've i've basically gone into hiding after that that's that's it well yeah. at least he had 200 million dollars to go on hiding with yeah i was, I was gonna, gonna say, say if you're gonna go into hiding all that money from that movie was it trial by error or what's that movie where he's a lawyer that came out right oh, after uhf Seinfeld? oh he's so good in uhf <laughs> he was also on the tv show fridays with larry david who was a cast member i don't know if you guys have ever seen that before it was i'm sort aware of... it was like a snl adjacent type yeah show. yeah that's where andy kaufman famously uh kind of goes nuts live on tv and michael richards actually takes the cue cards and throws them at him anyways the establishing shot pans out. It's Larry playing with the fabric on the crotch of his pants, and he calls out to Cheryl to come look at it. You can assume. Um, again, it's tough because I've seen it, but can, Jay, you haven't seen this episode per se. Could you assume that this was his wife? Yeah, I just, I mean, based on the way the scene is and how many other times you're going to like, you or, know, I like, guess Gordo's the better, better person to pull because he hasn't seen it at all. Did you assume it was his wife? No. Okay. Who would you have thought? Yeah. Who did you think it was? I feel like you're just his being a contrarian daughter. right now. No, his older daughter. Hey, look at this. It looks like I have it. It looks like my dick's hard. <laughs> you could listen. Never have children. Jay's, all Jay's face right when you said that. I guess it could have been his assistant. I mean, it, I mean Hollywood it could have been somebody else. It's just she, this, the setting. Looks, it was like clearly like yeah. a living room in their house. Like. Then in the next scene, she's stuck in the dryer. Yeah, we know. You know? <laughs> No, I mean. It, also, you looks... clearly know that Cheryl is married to Robin Williams from the great film RV. <laughs> Remember that? No, <laughs> I do only Ferg would smile at that. I was going to say every movie Robin Williams ever did was iconic, except the one you mentioned. 
<laughs> it's a bad movie. RV is a good movie. No, it is not a good movie. Um, no, I was going to say, she looks a little too young or to Jojo be fan. his wife. To be fair, Larry David looks older than he yeah, is. That's why this. I thought maybe it was like his older daughter or something like that, that like he was just like fucking around with. Well, like, for, you know, posterity's sake, it is his wife uh, who comes over and he's like, you know, look at this. And she's like, what's going on? And they're talking about the fabric bunch up in the crotch of the pants that kind of gives the, you know, I mean, even girls, I'm sure this happens to, depending on the size and cut of your pants. But it happens. Sometimes the pants are too long or too baggy and they bunch yeah, up. Yeah. yeah. Unless you're you wearing paid. slim pants, it's kind of, there's a possibility of it happening, right? right? And yep. uh, apparently it's really bothering Larry and... <laughs> My favorite line in this scene was, I've never seen a bunch up like this. It's like a five inch bunch up. Maybe that's not <laughs> such a bad thing. And Cheryl goes, you want people to think you have a constant erection, <laughs> uh, which was really funny. But uh, Larry asks, they, they, they quickly cut and um, or change t- uh, subject. And Larry asks Cheryl if she wants to go see the new Dustin Hoffman movie tonight. But she explains that it's Monday and she always goes to yoga on Monday. Is this, I meant to look this up too. Are they referencing a real Dustin Hoffman movie that came out in the early 2000s? No. So it wasn't they a actually, yeah, they go, when they, when they go to the theater later, you see the marquee says hard nut to crack. Yeah. yeah. Which is not a real movie. So okay, they just like I didn't even notice Dustin that. Hoffman movie. But uh, hard nut to crack, this is an interesting tidbit, is the uh, foreign title for Die Hard. Yeah. Really? <laughs> and, oh, and then, yeah. Oddly, I picked up on later on, he makes a joke about Gary Cooper. And one of the most iconic lines that you get the Yippie motherfucker from is when Hans is like, Gary Cooper. He's like, oh, I was always partial to uh, Roy Rogers. Like, so there's a weird double diehard thing here. Yeah, that's a strange connection to make, I guess. One thing I, I kind of want to touch on right away in this season is, or in this um, episode in the scene is right off the bat, the conversation is clearly improv. Like, so if you don't know going in the second, it's not like this part wasn't natural to me. This was very like they're doing a scene and they're, it's it's improv. And you can see like he's like kind of laughing and he could play it off like he's laughing at the ridiculousness of the crease. But you can kind of tell it's just more having fun with the scene. Yeah, he's probably trying new things in that scene. And yeah. I imagine they go in with like a rough outline. Like this is what the episode's about. And the pants tent thing is the like through line. And they just have to riff from that, you know? And uh, I know you, you brought it up, Nick, but, like, how, like, what do you guys think, like, in general about just the improv nature of the show? Do they, uh, like, is it too much or is it, like, in a sweet spot for you? So I, I think it's in the sweet spot, but obviously not everybody could do it. You need to have a cast of people like this to pull it off. Like, you need to have a Larry David, a Richard Lewis, and then you have people like Ted Danson coming in and out of this series yeah. a lot and stuff. You can't do And you even see people on this show... Who it clearly doesn't work with, the, like that format, anyways, or style of you know acting and taping it. Um, so no, I don't think it can work all the time. Do those but, episodes like kind of suffer because of it though? Because you have people that kind of take you out of it because they're not handling yeah. it well. Maybe I misspoke. I don't. I wouldn't say they're bad at it. You know what I mean? They they find their footing. They're all professional actors that come on the show. It's not like a, a you know any kind of newbie situation. But um, I've seen actors who have been on the show in interviews explaining how jarring it was to just be able to do whatever you want, and they'll just figure it out. So, which I can understand. Like if you spend your whole career under like directors who are like, now do it this way, now do it this way, and then you go to a show where they're like, fuck it, do whatever you want. It's almost harder. Um, Especially if you're not working in improv as an actor as much as you may have been before, but it does work. That, in this. 
Too much of that can ruin something, though. For example, the movie Jay was in, Ghostbusters, um, the 2016. That's a you don't have to mention the year. You can just leave it as movie. is. Just leave it as is and let people assume you, one way or I'm the other. I'm not going to let people assume that you were in the original Ghostbusters, which is amazing. And if when I'm going to bash Ghostbusters, I yeah. need to make sure it's known that the one I'm bashing is 2016 and not, you know, the phenomenal original. The Fallout Boy one? Yeah, they did the theme for that one. To the improv thing, too, though, I will say this. I think there's a reason why so many people on the show who are so good have carried over and are always on the episodes because they sort of gel. If you look at like the Christopher Guest movies that are all improv the same way that these are, it's the same pretty much core of people who are in every movie because it works and they can do it and it's always funny. So it's I think like, that Larry... Like later down the line, and I think season three is when J.B. Smoove comes in. Oh, J.B. Smoove is an amazing improver too. He's great in the show. He was only, I think he was only originally supposed to be in a few episodes, though, and now he's been on the show for 15 years because yeah. he was so good at it, yeah. Wait, those Christopher Guest movies were all improv like this, too? Yeah, from Spinal Tap on up, there's like a rough um, outline, and then they just riff. And if you go back and watch them with and that that's in how mind, this is, you can yeah. tell for sure. Yeah. But they're oh. great. Spinal Tap, for sure, you can tell. But yeah. because it's like a mockumentary, it kind of I never noticed. covers it. Yeah, yeah I never noticed. It kind of hides it a little bit, yeah. When you go back and rewatch those movies, too, and you realize that they're improv, some of the jokes make you realize how funny those people are because they're just whipping some of that stuff up. Like, my favorite Spinal Tap joke ever that I only fucking got a few years ago is at one point he said they played a festival at the Isle of Lucy. And, like, a few years ago, I was like, oh, my God, I get that joke now. I'm a fucking idiot. And then you're like, these guys are fucking geniuses. Yeah. You gotta be to just smart. pull that out. Yeah, you know you, what, though? Like to it, like improv, I think part of it is sometimes the joke's funny when it's off the top of your head. Like there's a lot of people who are funny in a room, but they're not funny doing stand up, you know? Right. And sometimes it's yeah. a matter of overthinking the joke. Sometimes it's just what naturally comes out in the wit and what works in the moment is funny. But when you sit there and overanalyze it, you start tinkering with wordplay and you try to like make it smarter than it needs to be. And sometimes it's just what's naturally like coming out of your mouth is like, the, how it should be presented. Anyways, so the conversation between Larry and Cheryl is kind of wrapping up. She shoots him down on being able to go to the movies. She has yoga and, and tells him to just go alone, which I thought was kind of rude of her. But um, he, he says, I'm just going to call Richard Lewis and see what he's up to. So Larry gets on the phone with Richard Lewis and uh, asks him about Richie the movie. Boy. It sounds like uh, It sounds like Richard had already been planning to go, so... Uh, Larry was like, okay, great, 9 o'clock. Oh, by the way, I don't know if I'm going to go or not because he finds out that Richard Lewis is going with his new girlfriend and it makes Larry uncomfortable at the thought of uh, him, you know, kind of third-wheeling their date even though Richard Lewis did invite him. Um, so he ends the call by saying, I don't know if I'm going to go. If not, we have pl uh, dinner plans on Saturday and we'll see you then. Okay. So him and Cheryl have a discussion and even Cheryl's like, yeah, that's kind of weird. Maybe just don't go and we'll see them on Saturday. A phone call comes in at this point, and it's Cheryl's friend on the phone. Her name is Nancy. Within 30 seconds of being on the phone, Cheryl invites Nancy to go out to the movies with Larry this uh, tonight. Which is and such a weird thing I would have killed her. It's incredibly yeah. weird. Larry, you can see yeah. Larry listening to the conversation, and he's horrified. This is really good face acting for him. He is just so taken aback that she would do this. And by the way, I would divorce someone for doing this to me, by the way. That is so, especially she married Larry David. She knows who Larry David is, right? I mean, he's not, or this character Larry David is playing anyways. 
she should know that this is not something he wants and she just forces on i i was mad for him and when he takes the phone from her and he's just looking at cheryl like why the fuck would you do this to me i couldn't help but totally relate to him because i would be so angry with cheryl in this instance Part of it I thought too was like great improv moments when the phone rings, he's holding the phone that rings and he just like looks at it with disgust and just pushes it to her. Like, oh, you take it. I don't want to answer the phone. So part yeah. of it's kind of like that's her like throwing that back in his face a little. You know, and to go back even beyond that, why is it so bad when it was presented though for like him to just go by himself? Like it was a big deal. Like I love going to the movies by myself. I love doing that. It's yeah. thought of as a weird thing, but we've gone to, I mean, all of us have gone to the movies together countless times. You don't. Unless you're a psycho and an asshole, you don't talk during the movie. You're not really hanging yeah. out. Like, going to see a movie alone is, like, a perfectly normal thing to do, but it feels weird. Let me ask end. you this, though. Is it perfectly normal to do when you have the stature of someone like Larry David in Los Angeles? I think even like, more probably so. Probably not. No, I think, I, think I, 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 so. I, I agree with Jay, I think. I think even more so as somebody who's just a fan of the industry in general, to just go alone to a movie isn't the weirdest thing in the world. Especially to, like, a small theater they went to. It wasn't, like, a premiere or something like that it was just a small movie theater they wanted to go see a movie i remember there's a point in time when years ago over a decade ago and like you would never do anything alone, you know and like and i always invite people to do stuff but say it was like my day off and i really wanted to see whatever movie and i'm seeing like i'm asking everyone in the chats like hey anyone want to go see whatever movie tonight and like no one's available and for the longest time i'd be like oh what? all right and i just don't go and then there was a, a tipping point where i'm like well fuck it i'll just go it's a, it's a movie i'm just sitting in a chair in silence anyways right and then i started going to the movies by myself all the time because it's great there's, there's nothing to worry about you go I when think, you want you grab your snack and you sit down and enjoy some popcorn i think going to the movies with friends though also implies either you were hanging out previous to the movie or, or after. going yeah. to be hanging out after the movie you know what i mean yeah for sure but it yeah. shouldn't hinder you like if you really want to go to a movie don't let the fact that you don't have company stop you from seeing right. it because you can like it in that moment, in that couple hour chunk of time, it doesn't matter if someone's with you or not. Yeah. So after this discussion on the phone with Cheryl's friend, Nancy, he begrudgingly accepts the invitation to go to the movies with her. In the next scene, Larry is in his car on the way to the movies and calls somebody and you can see that the person he's calling on his um, in early 2000s cell phone says it just says Jeff on the screen. That's attached to a little docking station in his car. And uh, we find out shortly into the conversation that Jeff is Larry's manager. They have a quick discussion about plans, and Jeff asks Larry if he wants to golf this weekend. And Larry replies with, I don't know, I have to ask Hitler, referring to his wife, Cheryl. And you instantly hear somebody in the background of Jeff's call go, Hitler! And they start, you know, you know they're a little appalled by the you know, mention of Hitler and Jeff informs Larry that he's on speakerphone and La uh, Jeff's parents are in the car with him. And, and Larry kind of freaks out and he's like, who else is in the car? Take me off speakerphone. And uh, Larry's very upset at this. You never uh, know speakerphone if you're not him. alone. No. Yeah. You always tell somebody there's somebody else around on speakerphone. It's just common yeah. courtesy. Also, you just shouldn't go speakerphone, period. I know nowadays with Bluetooth, it just kind of automatically happens sometimes. But I find myself taking that off and just, you know, putting the phone up to my ear more times than not. I can't remember. Does he say, was he in the, only um, Larry David was in the car, right? Yeah, yeah he was yeah. alone. Yeah, so he, all right, because I was going to say, I think when you know someone's in a car, it's assumed at this point, right? Socially, like if someone tells me they're driving, I assume I'm on speaker now. Or they have the headphones only, in. 
The yeah. only time that I will say you're on speaker is so you're aware that you're on speakerphone and there's other people around. Yeah, that's what you should do. That's, that's a what you should normal do. thing to do. Yeah. And I would say, you know, Nick, like you were saying earlier, when Cheryl should acknowledge that her husband is Larry David, when you're on the phone with Larry David and you know how he talks, like it, yeah. Be aware that he might say something offensive at some point. So maybe you should be, for that reason, keeping him off of speaker. The only thing I'll give Jeff is this is in the infancy of cell phones and talking to people in your cars and stuff like that. So, you know, maybe it's not as much as a, a as much of a, a courtesy that's been thought of too much at this point because cell phones are so new in and, and talking to people. in your car. I don't know. It doesn't matter. It's also a flex too, right? Because like oh, yeah. Jeff is I mean, trying to like impress his parents, so yeah, oh, you got look, me in the Larry car. David yep. is yeah, like one minute, guys. One of my clients, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and a big client too, right? Because we'll talk about his other clients later on, and there's a vast difference in their you know wealth and portfolios and whatnot. So uh, Larry and Jeff hang up the phone with each other. The next scene is Larry arriving to the movie theater. He's walking down the aisle with his popcorn and his soda in hand. Um, he looks over and he sees Richard Lewis wave him over, but Richard uh, leaves for a minute. As he enters the aisle, he says, excuse me, to the, the lady who's sitting at the, in the aisle seat. And she kind of like rolls her eyes and moves like slightly to get out of her way. And he's like, uh, is there a problem? Like, I, she's like, I'm just trying to get into the aisle. And they get into an argument. Uh, a very Larry David argument. I agree with Larry in this argument i don't know why she made such a big deal about having to move three inches for him to get into the aisle she's but, on the uh, aisle seat yeah uh, but shouldn't you're agreeing with him the problem is that he went to that row he went to the yeah. other row he's sitting on the other aisle there's no need to go through someone when you're going all the way to the opposite end of the aisle <laughs> those people are the ones who bother me yeah, yeah well, as an aisle sitter, I just I like to sit on the aisle everywhere. I do too. Same. I assume Same. that my Fact. duty is to move for people. Right. Yeah. But when the end result was when you looked at that row, the whole row had this girl sitting on one aisle, the girl he's with is sitting at the other end on the other aisle seat. He has to get through her to walk all the way across the row through the seats to sit on the other aisle. Well, he's we not also, sitting in the aisle though. Yeah, he's but the alternative right. is he would have to go all the way up, go all the way around, and then. Do that. That row is completely empty besides them. Can I also say that this movie theater is not packed in any way, shape, or form, and there were yeah. multiple empty yeah. rows that he could have walked through? Yeah, he could have went to the row behind. Yeah, thing. he could have went to the row behind or went all yeah. the way through. <laughs> They're also at a movie theater at 9 p.m. on a Monday, so they could have yeah. sat literally anywhere. I still think she's that's a shithead move on her part. Yeah, she was being a bitch about it, but I mean, that's I'm the point. You, I mean, she's a yes, he could have gone around. If he didn't, if he did go around, though, we wouldn't have this scene. I guess. But didn't I do? Don't I understand it that she was like moving back in her seat and trying to move her legs over? So it wasn't like she made no effort. She just didn't physically stand for. It. Yeah, but she saw. He saw. She her. Eyes, it was though. the roll out. The yeah, eye roll, it wasn't I mean, the lack not, of movement so yeah. much as it was the eyes rolling and the sigh about having to move. But then they get into this argument, and she just kind of blurts out that he's looking at her breasts. And he's like, what, what, like, what are you talking about? And she's like, yeah, you're looking at my breasts. She's just trying to, do, you know, it sounds like she's just trying to divert because maybe she realized but she was being a bitch about it. Not only that, like she says it to him, but then she says it out loud and back so other people hear it. Like, yes. So she's yeah. trying to make him look bad. And it's a fucking 
bitch move. Like, it's, it's, and uh, he replies with, uh, yeah, you wear that dress because you want people to look at your shoes, right? <laughs> I, I do love that he can't help himself from making yeah, that comment. He's still kind of, he has to put the uh, the last button on it. That's, um, that's like an ongoing argument too, though, because there's always these points where people are saying things like, it's the argument like, you know, a girl can put on something like that just because it makes her feel good. It's not necessarily an invitation to look at her tits and like. So even if her dress is a little showy, it's just because like she feels good in it. Doesn't yeah. mean she wants every guy at the movie theater staring at her tits. Oh, of course not. No one's saying that. We're saying it's funny that Larry no, can't he was, help yeah, himself very comment. <laughs> yeah, which is um, like his character, right? He can't control himself from getting himself in trouble. He can't control that filter between the brain and the mouth. You know what I mean? Like his. That same thought is what 99% of people are thinking in that same moment. Yeah, but, but they muffle it, yeah. Yeah, or they just, like, they internalize it and just get mad and walk away. He says the quiet part loud. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So after this argument, Larry moves down and sits next to Nancy, the girl, who, uh, Cheryl's friend who is meeting there. They discuss the incident that had just happened, and she tries to calm, uh, calm Larry down by rubbing his arm, which was weird, by the way, because they we've already established that these two are not close with each other. Larry's like barely knows her for the most part. And um, she agrees with Larry that it was rude and that she was being inappropriate. And while she's, you know, explaining that she's rubbing Larry's arm to calm him down because he's very worked up. I uh, thought that was going to be the runner, by the way. I thought the her rubbing his arm was going to be like what the story of the episode was going to evolve into. Okay. I could see why yeah, you would think that. that. Yeah. Because that, that was natural. Yeah. It wasn't like a like it, it shouldn't have been like regarded as something normal the way that they like really went on right. about it. So, but yeah, they were just kind of trying to use it for what happens next. They Nancy looks down and notices the crease um, in Larry's pants and gets uncomfortable because she thinks it's a, a boner. And uh, Larry notices her notice and it gets really uncomfortable. And that's kind of where that scene ends. You know, it's never confirmed that it's not a boner. He claims it's his pants, but he's constantly That's lying. That's true. That is true. He, just, yeah. he was just looking at tits, and now he's getting rubbed by a girl. Yeah. She's, um, very, she's very sure that it was a boner later on. When we also, <laughs> That's so, the one time he doesn't maybe. squeeze the material to prove it isn't. That's yeah. true. That's true. Exactly. It all no, could no, have been it's material. if he stood up and go, no, it's the material, and then pulls it down. But that doesn't also, happen. Also, too, Nancy, um, I don't know the actress's name, but that is Mike Myers' wife. Oh, in real life? Yeah, oh, really? The serial yeah. killer? The serial killer. Damn it, Nick. <laughs> <laughs> Got him. Also, who's Boner? <laughs> who's Boner? Uh, actually, before the scene ends, Richard Lewis gets back to his seat, and we realize that the girl Larry just had this whole argument with is actually Richard Lewis's date. Um, so that's how this scene gets buttoned up. After this, the movie finishes. They're leaving the theater. The two couples meet outside. We find out that the girl that Larry had the argument with, Richard Lewis's girlfriend, her name is Sophia. Uh, she begrudgingly greets Larry after Richard introduces them. And Richard suggests going out and getting coffee and pizza, which I thought was kind of gross. I love coffee. I love pizza. But I have never eaten and drunk the two of them together. That's just asking for trouble. I've talked about this. One of those things I felt like is like a weird adult thing. Like you feel like a parent or something is like the first time that you have like a meal with coffee. Like, you know, it's really good. A burger and coffee at like 10 p.m. for some reason. I don't know why, but it works. But pizza and coffee, I, it does not go. Yeah, I mean, I, 
I can deal with like coffee after dinner. Like that's common, like, you know, with dessert or whatever like that. But just the way Richard kind of set it up was like, let's go drink coffee and eat pizza at the same time. It, it just seemed strange. He also specifically says cappuccino. Yeah. Yes. Which I yes. just thought it was weird to be like, like if you, if I'm going to get coffee with any one of you, I don't expect that you were implied to choose what kind of coffee I'm going to get. Right. Like, that seems like a weird thing to bring out. Like, I imagine they're not going to a place that only sells cappuccino. Now, I guess the the rule against that, though, would be, like, say, Joe, you and I always go to the same place and we always order cappuccinos. Sure. So, like, then you can, because you know that that's what we're both getting. So, like, I guess in that world, that's, like, the excuse where you can do something like that. Now I honestly really just want a cup of coffee. Because, like, I'm trying to think of a different example, but, yeah, if we always went to a cafe and always yeah. and always got cold brews every time. I might say, like, hey, want to go grab a cold brew? Like, I might just say that. Sure, that makes sense. After suggesting this, Richard, uh, I'm sorry, Larry, says, you know, it's late. If I have a cappuccino now, I'm going to be up until 4 o'clock in the morning, which is a, um, you know, a legitimate thing. But you can tell that Larry just doesn't want to go do it uh, for a few reasons. The girl he is with thinks he had an erection during the movie, and Richard... Richard's girlfriend just got into an argument with Larry, neither of which Richard knows about, by the way. So he is none the wiser. But um, Larry obviously doesn't want to go. And again, we're back to the Richard Lewis definitely knows Larry David and should have picked up on the social cue. But kind of for it, he's like, all right, so get decaf. Like, like, why don't you want to come out? Blah, blah. He obviously doesn't want to come out. And I feel like that's Richard Lewis's, uh, you know, not to peel back the curtain of the rest of this show, but. Richard Lewis kind of constantly tries to change Larry and like his decision making and his personality. And it literally never works, which is kind of funny. Uh, it's like subtly funny, but I just thought it was strange. There's, there's so many people who are surprised by Larry's responses to things who and have known Larry for so long and they just refuse to accept it for some reason yeah people are always trying to get him to do things like charity and things he's like just like a curmudgeon right like everybody who knows him would never do that you know they larry just says you know what it's just too late uh i'm just gonna go home and this is uh where richard tries to confirm that they're still going out on saturday with larry's wife richard's excited about it he tells sophia that they're gonna meet larry's wife and larry uh richard's girlfriend's like yeah okay you know what she's not super excited about it obviously all right, so the next scene, I actually really like the way this starts. Um, it starts out as like a far view of the house with one light on, and then slowly zooms in and then pans up to the window of the one room with the light on. Through the window, Larry enters, and then it gets to the actual scene. And I just really like that transition. Um, so like I said, Larry enters the room, and Cheryl asks him how the movie went. He goes, good, good. Uh, and then he starts explaining the events that took place that night. Uh, he says, I'm not quite sure how to tell you this, but I think your friend Nancy thinks she got me aroused in the movie. Cheryl replies, why would you think that? Because of the tent, the pants tent. She looked down. <laughs> pants tent. <laughs> this is the first time he says pants tent, and that's fucking so gold. Is at this point I wondered how many times conversations like this have happened at the end of the day between the two of them, like Larry being the social assassin that he is, just fucking up every social interaction he has had throughout the day like this must be like an every night thing like what did larry do today right she's got the patience of a god <laughs> but like then he, he's explaining everything she says after all that she just her reply is that's really weird 
<laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, he, he's blaming her for the pants and all that. And also, she didn't make him wear the pants, so I don't know why he's mad at her about it. That's a good point. He did. He knew the pants were weird and wore them out anyways. Again, <laughs> a multi-millionaire, like hundreds of millions of dollars. There is, I mean, this this goes on later on. They they have lots of weird things about his clothing. But like, if I had a pair of pants that didn't fit right and I was that rich, I'd just go buy new pants. Then you wouldn't be that rich. Maybe. He had every every opportunity to change between the movie and that, and he just he kept the boner pants on. Because we didn't talk about any of this stuff before, but the house itself, like, it was like just a regular house, but it felt so open, and um, I don't know, it, I don't know how I feel about like the set in general, because I think it was just because like earlier when I mentioned that it was lit a certain way, and because it was like shaky, it just felt I don't know, not it was almost too authentic. Yeah, it, that's what it was, though, I yeah. think, because this seems like I can't tell you for sure because I didn't really look into it. This seems like it was shot in an existing home, whereas right. later down the line, there are homes that were kind of made to be sets instead. Well, if I recall, um, I could be wrong, but if I remember when I was reading, the house they used in the first season got sold. So by the next season, they had to change where they were filming it. That must suck because then you have to like recreate the house via set or via another yeah. house. Just buy the fucking house at that point if you know you're going to have the show for a few years. Buy the house and sell it again. Correct me if I'm wrong, Ferg and Joe, who have seen it. Don't they like move like every other season? They move a lot, yeah. yeah. So they yeah. wrote it into it. They bought a new house. That yeah. way you don't have to like recreate the set. Yeah. Um. So I imagine it's just a matter of them like leasing a house for the duration of filming. And then extended rentals coming, and stuff. Yeah. And then like coming up with a reason to find another one so they don't have to keep leasing the same house. I think this worked though because I don't feel like Larry David's house would look like he had like his own stuff everywhere. Like his office, sure. But his house seems like like that Seinfeld line is like, oh, it's just a place to flop. Like it seems like he doesn't really yeah. care about the decor. So, Cheryl like, definitely had whatever. It just looks it. like standard house. He doesn't give a shit, you know? Yeah. So then from there, um, he tells he tells Cheryl that they will not be joining. Um, Richard and his new girlfriend, uh, because he got into a fight with her. Um, he in a very really oh by the way details. moment. <laughs> yeah, he just says it as a matter of fact. Like this is as <laughs> yes, he's like happens. walking into the bathroom as Cheryl's trying to take it all in. Um, Larry kind of tries to dip out of the room, but as he's leaving, she tells him, "Oh, and Jeff called and left a message saying I'm sorry or he's sorry." So uh, he's basically trapped because he's caught off guard. He's, what would he be sorry about? And Larry, for some reason, just denies it all, having any knowledge of what it could be. Where you'd think he'd be better at like the quick lie, being a writer, but like all he had to, he could even said the half truth. Oh, he's sorry that I he had me on speakerphone in the car with people in the car, and he didn't tell me, and I made an inappropriate joke. What does no, it she even matter? Yeah. She yeah, you don't have that. to say you don't have to say like the content of the joke or that it yeah. was about you specifically. Just yeah. <laughs> But his lies just bury him deeper and deeper. Where, you know, yep. he's just building this house of cards that you what know is going to crumble. Like what I thought was that a he could have said the Hitler thing to her and she wouldn't have been that offended, or b he could have just like taken it down a couple notches and been like, "Oh, I called you a prison guard to Jeff," and his parents thought that was whatever. Like, you know, like she'd be like, "Oh, okay, whatever." Like, no, I don't think he needed to go this far and create such an elaborate lie to try to get out of something that was so simple. Now. Uh- I'm just assuming, because I am going in pretty fresh compared to you guys. Am I to assume that, like, every episode builds this way? Because, like, this happens multiple times. It happens with Richard Lewis's girl, where it's, like, it's it's the supreme irony of, like, what, what he said is always going to come back to haunt him later on. Like, it just always kind of 
full circles that In way. Essence, this show is very much callbacks and circles, yeah. yeah. So For like, one thing I wanted to point out that you mentioned that I, I really like, the way that they do the shot of the house. Yeah. They follow a pattern this whole episode where like they shoot the exterior of the location before they go in and they like follow in. And then there's a lot of the same shot that's a static shot of just Larry walking away. Yeah. And they do that a lot too, which I love that like you sort of set up in the first episode, like these are sort of tropes we're gonna do for this. It's just so it's so artsy for a sitcom. Like <laughs> It's kind of artsy, and then the music is all like, you know, I guess essentially <laughs> jazz, which is artsy and boring, right? But it's artsy. <laughs> so the scene ends with him just saying strange night huh and cheryl goes very strange when it just ends the next scene starts with uh larry at jeff's office and this is uh, this part's really strange to me so maybe you guys can explain it to me but uh he's on the phone just making weird noises (laughs) (laughs) i I, I don't understand what was going on there i definitely feel like it's just a boredom tick or something you know what i mean because he's waiting while he's on hold so another thing jeff he's played by jeff gorilla Garland, not Gorilla. Gorilla. <laughs> Jeff Gorilla? Jeff Gorilla Monster. Jeff Gorilla? How did you... <laughs> He's not an NFT uh, ape, Gordo. Don't get excited. Um, no, what I was going to say was I have actually never seen him in anything other than those Comedy Central roasts of like Donald Trump and like Snoop Dogg. Like, I didn't know that he was actually in something. He pops up in a lot of stuff. He's not like a main character in much. I saw him in something very recently, too, and I can't remember what it was. I mean, he was in like 400 episodes of the Goldbergs until last season. That's what it was. Off. It's the Goldbergs. He's like the main okay, character on the Goldbergs. Recent, yeah. Yeah. But that's yeah. Arrested recent. Development. He has a, a good story arc in Arrested Development from mm-hmm. 20 years ago. I don't know. I've only ever seen him in like those roasts. <laughs> that's, you know, that's Jeff Gorilla for you. <laughs> Do you know what he's really good in? In a very Stop. funny thing from when we were kids. He's in RoboCop 3. Oh, the There's the scene one. where the guy goes to rob the donut shop, and then he doesn't realize he's robbing a donut shop, and it's just full, full of, of cups. <laughs> and uh, he's like the sarcastic donut guy who's like, what were you thinking, robbing a donut shop? It's a weird <laughs> RoboCop movie. It's a terrible RoboCop movie, but it also has a lot of weird comedians and comic actors in it, too. Like Steven Root's in it. He's also one of those guys who's just in a lot of things in general. Yeah. By the way, Joe, uh, he's credited in RoboCop 3 as Donut Jerk. Donut jerk, that works, yes. yeah. <laughs> He's not Robocop a 3, He's not a great movie, guy. but some fun scenes. While still on the phone, he looks over to Jeff and says, it was really uncool for you to leave that message on my machine like that. Um, that's be- because, you know, he didn't have he didn't have an excuse for his wife because it really caught him off guard. He couldn't tell her the truth, uh, according to him. Like I said, I think the truth would have set him free, but... That's just me. Larry then notices that he's writing a letter and asks him what's up. Jeff explains he's writing a letter to Kathy Griffin, an apology letter, something he apparently does every week despite them doing nothing to each other. It's another joke I didn't understand. Why is he writing letters to Kathy Griffin if they didn't do anything to each other? I think this is kind of more about Kathy Griffin still being relevant in this time. I think it's a plot point. Not so much anymore. Yeah, it's not really though, because I don't no, think no, Kathy. No, 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 no. It it introduces Kathy Griffin's name into it. Yeah, but she's yeah. not really in the show much, is she? Well, she's, she's in, a, she's she's in, in it to blow a spot later, but not not to get into that and get ahead of time. But yeah, I, I mean, just, she becomes I, integral I don't to the storyline. That's right. Why, why does he that. write her a letter weekly? I don't. I don't get it at all. 
I think that's one of those scenes or parts of the show where it was just an improv line. Yeah. And then you just have to go with it, right? You jump in the water, you said something, and now everybody has to play off of it. So it doesn't doesn't work that way in the way it would if you wrote it out to, like, make it more logical. Which we were talking about earlier. That is one of the downfalls, I guess, of being improv. Sometimes a line will make it in there that maybe unbeknownst to the writers and director at the time kind of fucks the storyline later. But they kept it, they liked it, and then they had to work around it, so... Who knows what kind of pitfalls the improv format does or, uh, you know, leads to. So Larry gets the story from him now. And, um, hey, what if Kathy Griffin called you up and said she wanted me to write a pilot for her? And you said, no, I wasn't available without consulting me. So if his wife asks, that is what that's why you called to say sorry. And he keeps saying this. He says, you know, she will ask again. So. <laughs> Yeah, it's just I a mean, weird thing. <laughs> just a weird thing. Why not just tell your wife the truth? Exactly. I don't think it's that big of a deal still. If it I told Kelsey, I called I you Hitler to my friends, she'd like hit me. And it, it's not like a serious comment, you know? Well, it's, oh, that would not land well in my house. That's what like, shows like this are going to be about. <laughs> I miss what he said. He said that it might not go so well in his house if he called his wife Hitler. <laughs> <because> <laughs> that, <laughs> that is true. That is fair. Yeah. For those of you listening, uh, Koro's wife is born in Poland, where yes, um, the, the war that went that, even worse. Yeah, not yeah, that, yeah. not that like you know, World War Two is funny in America or anything, but it's uh, it's even more serious in those parts. Yeah, not 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 exactly um, a place to crack jokes. Um, having said that, Larry's wife is not from Poland, right? Um, so but, um, but I agree go- with Ferg. He could have saved a lot of trouble by just being honest about it. But isn't that like essentially what this show is? And yeah. I know we're yeah. like new to it watching this episode. And even like when you hearken back to Seinfeld, because like, I mean, you know, he was the co-creator of Seinfeld with Jerry Seinfeld. And like a lot of those episodes, you know, the show about nothing are these little instances and moments that are blown into these big things. It's kind of like what his humor is completely based on. Is like, well, that yeah, idea. especially when you understand that, you know, George is Larry. You know what I mean? Like, he is based off of Larry David. And the crux of George is, A, he's kind of a piece of shit. And Mm -hmm. not even kind of. He's he's a piece of shit. Yeah, he's a bad man. B, he's just terrible at communication. Like, he refuses- I wonder how that became the thing, though, right? Because, like, even, even in this show where he's a character of himself, where he's Larry David playing the character of Larry David, and where George is also based on Larry David, like- how does that become a thing where you just write yourself as, and I'm the asshole? Well, he's just good at embellishing. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, like, he takes these real world things, like, you know, the who, whoever that neighbor he had was that ended up becoming Kramer, you know? Like, he's just Kessler. he's just a good writer that uh, knows how to, em- you know, embellish a simple story and make it funny. But, yeah, but my point was, was that the whole thing is just, you know, missed connections and poor communication skills on his part. And his inability to just, you know, do the right thing sometimes to try to make it seem better and it ends up just, you know, exploding in his face. But the problem just, is he covers up one lie with another and it builds and builds and builds to it's about up here. And you pull any one of those lies out, fucking crumbles. <laughs> He's George Santos, essentially. I'm a, I, I'm, a, I'm a big advocate of just being a guy George who Santos? tells the truth. Like w- whether or not whether or not the truth benefits you or not. It's just usually better to just go that route. And it's not even a moral thing, but it's just so much easier to tell the same story when you're telling the real story. Right. Yeah. 
Yeah, that's the thing. If you start telling lies, you have to build lies for those lies. And you have to remember the lie. You have to remember every detail of the lie. But like when I'm telling the real version, I can remember the details very crisp because they happened. But very simply put, it's not funny if he doesn't fuck up. You know what I mean? So like that's why they're all divisive. Yeah, I know. It's all it's all for the sake of the show. I'm just I'm just just curious. Um you guys might know better than me if there's an answer that that's public, but is there a reason that Larry David didn't just play his own part on Seinfeld because he does have acting credits. Like, you know, Joe mentioned he was on Fridays and he did like, you know, sketch comedy and stuff in the past. So was there, it was like that ever even a thing that he may have just played. I imagine it's role? because he just wanted to v- devote his time to creating it and writing and producing or whatever he had his hand. I, this is an assumption on my part. I yeah, don't know. Because obviously Jerry Seinfeld was doing all the Ooh, same I wanna, stuff. I want to yeah. assume too. So my assumption is Jason, uh, Alexander just killed it in the, in the auditions. So he gave it to him. Yeah. I can't wait till we do Seinfeld. That's going to be fun. Cause that's a, an interesting pilot. The way I've always looked at Curb Enthusiasm too to bring it to the Seinfeld lens is it's Seinfeld, but through George's perspective, but it's in the alternate universe where when they're making the show, Jerry, on Seinfeld, that show takes off and becomes successful, right. and this is his life post that show. Which is a thought I had while you know watching this episode. I know technically it it's not right, so we don't have an issue with doing it. But isn't it kind of spinoffy because it birthed I, it I in a way? The same thing in a you know? way. It's like yes, but no. By so all like- technicalities, no, it's not a spinoff. But without Seinfeld, you don't have this show. Sure. Period. No. You know, so uh, it was, in, maybe we should have done Seinfeld first, but uh, here we are. So, for the record, Seinfeld was supposed to be episode five. <laughs> We're almost to 100. <laughs> well, I'm glad we didn't do it as five. Because I know. Yeah. I feel like a 20 minute episode of us going through Seinfeld will not be anywhere near as satisfying for our fans as the three hour episode of Seinfeld will end up coming out with. Uh... Why did we record so long? It took so long for us to get through the pilot. (laughs) (laughs) All right. To get get back to the episode. Uh, So he tells Jeff that this is the story he's going to tell his wife. And he says he's going to call him a big fat idiot. And the funny part about that is he's okay with being called an idiot, but he's not cool with the fat part. He's like, you call me a fat idiot. Why can't I just be an idiot? This is the yeah, first scene where I was talking about yeah. where Jeff Garland clearly breaks. He didn't expect to be called a big fat idiot, and he is laughing at it. And I think it makes it so funny and so genuine because he's trying to keep going with it, but he clearly gets caught off guard. <laughs> yeah, even out of my notes, I love I love uh, Larry's reaction to this. Then Jeff asks them to apologize to his parents. Uh, he tells them they they're offended. Um, he says that they had a gay cousin in Nazi that escaped Nazi Germany, and they were very. They're very sensitive about it all. And again, I, another reaction. I love his reaction now. <laughs> he goes, talk about ostracized. A gay Jew in <laughs> Talk <Germany."> about ostracized. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's yeah. tough. A gay Jew yeah. in Nazi Germany. That's tough, yeah. Well, even what to bring co- it up originally, though, like, you didn't have to mention that the cousin was gay. It's not, it, it wasn't prevalent to the story. You could just say they had a cousin who was in Nazi Germany. <laughs> The fact yeah. that the cousin was gay doesn't change anything about the situation or why it's inappropriate to make Hitler jokes. I do, I do like that he's just what adding, a combo. He's just adding stacks to it, right? Like he was in Nazi Germany, but like ooh, like and he was Jewish, like ooh, but like and he was gay, like ooh, good, like 
I just like he has to make the stakes raised more and more, which is pretty funny. Oh, Sammy Boys. After all that, he just goes, "What a combo!" <laughs> <laughs> he can't let it go. He has to make another comment. Yeah. <laughs> so Jeff still continues. He's just telling him how angry his dad is. He says his parents want him to drop him as a client. Dean ends with Larry just yelling, "Don't ever put me on speakerphone again." <laughs> People around. This is Larry gets like legit mad here. He's like funny and mischievous so far the whole episode. He starts fucking yelling at Jeff and it's like pretty, pretty dark for a second there. What do you think about the premise of the asking to have the parent like apologize to the parents? Like, do you I, feel like that's necessary to have to apologize because they were offended by the joke? No. If I offended any one of your parents somehow, I would apologize to them. And if you yeah. ask me especially, like, can you apologize to my my mom or whatever because this thing happened i'd be like of course because i don't want to offend my friend's parents yeah, so no, i think that's fair uh, yeah you gotta keep in mind their relationship they're not he's not just his like manager he's his, like closest friend but we don't know that so this is what struck me as odd about this is that you don't know that at this point in the show i got so a sense I, of it by then i didn't i thought it was just like they were just like chummy work friends why would you go and apologize to my why would I go and apologize to a coworker's mom or even better somebody who works for me like I, I don't mean, you know I don't know I just think it's it, it's just not necessary because there is no other layer of context here well yeah earlier he invited him to golf with him and then he made the holocaust joke to him so i mean if they're going golfing together as like a leisurely activity that clearly I go golfing even all the time even if they're employers? not close friends, though, right? So take yeah. away what I said about your parents, right? All of us, if anybody who listens to this show can attest, can be fairly crass sometimes, right? Get a little blue, and sometimes you, you step over the line a little bit. I have been asked to apologize to people for things I've said before, or felt me like, oh, fuck, I'm sorry, that was, like, too far or whatever. Like, I don't think it's that big of a deal. I think apologize if you apologize for offending Florida, somebody, Joe. that's fine. I like if I ever just, meet John Bidet Ramsey's parents, I will <laughs> apologize. I to think them. it's one of those things that, and this happens like throughout the episode. It's Larry David is an unreasonable person, like the way he handles situations, but the people in his life also often put him in tough spots. So he, like, he is who he is, and, and not that that excuses it, but as unreasonable as he is, like all the people in his life keep putting him in these odd circumstances. Yeah, that's where, what I like, keep saying too. Even yeah. a even a rational person would be like, wait, what why do I wait, no. Like why <laughs> yeah. would I have to do that? The next scene starts with Larry entering his office. Uh he gets his messages from his secretary. Uh she tells him Mr. Lewis is coming by after he asked um if he called. Uh she also tells him his wife called twice, which he really doesn't seem to give a fuck about. He just kind of shrugs. All right, so yeah, so he comes into his office, uh, his secretary is on the phone, she's sort of, you know, just going off. One of the first things I noticed from this, too, is you see a poster for Sour Grapes, which is Larry David. The first thing he did after uh, Seinfeld ended was this movie, and it stars uh, Steven Weber of Wings from uh, previous Ooh. episode fame and Nick fame. Oh, yeah. Steven Weber of single white female fame. Uh, and basically, Larry goes up and asks the secretary, you know, if Richard Lewis had called because he knows something's going on with that situation from the movie the other night said he richard lewis called he's coming over uh bob shaw called bob shaw also a comedian who wrote for seinfeld uh and then he's like your wife called twice he says yeah i don't need that which i think is the fucking best line ever everything that requires the phone and cheryl always seems to end up really funny i really love just i don't need that uh the diary's on the phone now and he's taking a message clearly taking um you know food for the grocery store 
Uh, he asks for uh, two tips. And uh, then he says Alcoa wrap. That threw me off for a second because then he goes into a whole thing like, what is Alcoa wrap? Is it um, aluminum foil? Is it, you know, cling wrap? I looked it up. Alcoa wrap is uh, the first company to ever make aluminum foil. Interesting. Really? Yeah. They made it in the oh. 1880s. And they actually, in the year 2000, bought out Reynolds. So every time you buy tinfoil, probably for the most part, you're actually using Alcoa wrap. Is, is, Tinfoil, like, one of those weird things that had a different purpose originally. Yeah, to smoke crack. it had a different purpose, because they were the first people to make, like, tin and aluminum not, like, they make it, like, food safe, right? And to be, like, a safe right. thing to have around you. The weird thing I thought of is, I've always called it tinfoil. I know a lot of people from around here at least call it tinfoil. Yeah, I've always called it tinfoil. Me right? too. And it's weird, because we probably got that from our parents calling it tinfoil, right? Because it's been aluminum foil forever. Yeah. They stopped making it with tin in 1910. So, like, <laughs> this is a thing that is carried on yeah. from, like, generation yeah. to generation. And I'm sure, like, our kids someday will say tinfoil, too, right? But it's never – I've never once been like, can you hand me the aluminum wrap? I'm always like, right. can I have the tinfoil? It's even or weirder it's when you been cross – in over 100 years. When or you cross the pond and they call it aluminium. I was just going to say that, Dick. <laughs> <laughs> Air high five. Yeah. Is there – are there people in, like, different parts of the country or elsewhere that just do say aluminum wrap? Like, I'm probably. sure, yeah. Yeah, or aluminum foil. I'm sure some people do. It's also weird I've that we gold. have had to look up two different packaging companies, because for mm. Golden Girls, we had to figure out what a steel sack was. Yeah, it was not <laughs> it was what I hoped it would be. It was wasn't it? <laughs> no, it was a trash bag. Oh, that's right. I was the one who looked it up, and it doesn't stay up here. <laughs> <laughs> no retention. <laughs> all right so now that they're having that conversation on the phone this is where uh, larry finally brings up and tells cheryl the kathy griffin lie and tells her basically you know he wanted to do the pilot and jeff didn't let him know so now we have it out in the open that cheryl knows that this pilot uh scenario is played out and that should just make the whole sorry go away uh that's why now oh, even in that moment is that a good enough like if you were cheryl would you be like well that's kind of a weird thing to call and say sorry about like was that a good enough excuse i don't think so because this is pre-texting i think this is another episode where like none of this would have been an issue in texting because he would have just texted him hey sorry this happened if that was a real thing right he wouldn't leave an answering machine message in 2023 right so i think that now with it's hard to pay that 50 cents per text (laughs) yeah or yeah he could have just texted him one letter at a time to tell him he was sorry <laughs> oh, like we used to do to you, Joe. You know, oh, I'm thing, aware. You know, you I know what one of his, you know, one of his big errors were. Kathy, he's writing letters back and forth to Kathy Griffin, so she's clearly in the picture. Why use a celebrity that's involved right now? Use someone that's a way less chance you'll run into. That's a good point. Like a New York-based celebrity who he hasn't yeah. seen in a while, yeah. who Cheryl will forget by the time he runs into him in five years say or whatever. Ger- say Jerry. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, that would make more sense, too, if anybody from Seinfeld proper uh, yeah, could send like, Julie Louis-Dreyfus. In this world where, like, Seinfeld was a show that existed and happened, if, if, the, if the story was, hey, Jerry Seinfeld called, wanted you to write a pilot for a new show for him, and, like, my agent or whatever said no, that's a way bigger argument than sorry. Oh, that's yeah. That's why yeah. you need sorry. That's, that's, that's a, a fireable offense. Yeah, you, you have a new agent after that. But what if it was like a side character, though? If you're like, oh, Wayne That's Knight Mickey. called. He wanted us to do a, a Newman spinoff. That's probably not going to be That'd the same be amount of money. That'd be great, too. I would, I would have been so... I'm sad now that there wasn't a Newman spinoff. 
All right, so now we finally get the uh, Richard Lewis entrance into the office. We knew he was coming over. Larry's still on the phone, and you can tell that Richard is uh, a little upset with him because he then knocks on his desk three times and points to his watch. So you can tell that like the the neurotic off is about to happen between the two of these guys, which is something I <laughs> fucking love so much. This would have been a great uh, celebrity deathmatch episode. This is right around the same time if we could have had Larry David and, oh, R.I.P. Mills Lane, right? Yeah. Uh, let's get it on indeed uh so <laughs> that's when he just looks over and they just again this is we're talking about the face acting they just pan to richard lewis and he's just staring making the weirdest face and shooting daggers at larry <laughs> and also in his inexplicably dressed like a sensei he dresses yeah. <laughs> like a sense he dresses like uh steven seagal dresses now, <laughs> yes it's a perfect really way to put weird. it yeah but in chucks also right it's like a combination of that and like a like a western undertaker basically richard starts saying uh you know how upset he was over you know all the issues that caused with his girlfriend at the movies the other night you know he's never been married he thinks i'm in love and i think he might have ruined this for me which i love because he just puts so much weight on this one argument i've never been in love i think it would love i've never been married this could happen and you ruined it Larry basically says, if I ruined it, I did you a favor, which I think is I not retort. the response you give any of your friends. <laughs> it was so mean, but... I mean, every one of us has been in a situation where we were dating somebody that we for sure should not have Shouldn't been. Shouldn't have been, yeah. And the other four of us were talking about that when the other person wasn't around, right? Like, it's just the nature of... He does it while they're around now. <laughs> but I was gonna say, there, there's my case where you guys talked face. about it when she was around, so... <laughs> <laughs> you want to go to Canada, to, Ferg? Didn't invite me to Canada because of it. <laughs> I think it worked out okay. The Canada trip? Yeah, because now Ferg and her are happily married and he went to Canada on his honeymoon, right? <laughs> Wait, also, to call to back on that, I think this came up in episode once too, and I asked you guys why I wasn't invited, and I think the reason was also because I was dating somebody I shouldn't have well, been dating. Well, yes and no, like, but for different reasons. You were on the island and just disappeared. Yeah, you weren't, weren't around. Yeah. For a while, yeah. yeah. Oh, the island, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I tried to cross the streams. You shot them in different directions. <laughs> <laughs> like a sumo poopy. <laughs> to go take back into it, though, Ferg claims he wasn't invited to a to a. It's not trip a claim. We made the plans like in his bedroom. <laughs> we like, made him. Yeah, like, that made it extra fucked up. I think we booked some of this stuff on his computer. We're like <laughs> yeah. sitting there in his in his bedroom talking about these plans. So obviously, it's yeah, you're. Jay, was this just your master plan because you've been holding all that resentment for so long about the wedding singer that this was your way of getting back at Ferg? Me, the yeah. trip. <laughs> We planned it in his house. Me and Joe go to one movie without you. I mean, you fucking plan a vacation without us. You're a real ended asshole. Up, ended up being one of my favorite movies of all time, but you know, it's okay. Ferg, I say that you and I plan a trip for Canada, just the two of us, and then we, we rent out a movie theater and watch The Wedding Singer. <laughs> <laughs> That's all right. I don't remember anything, but I was, even I was there, guys. Yeah. Oh, even you, who was around all the time back then. I mean, that's true, but was I really around? <laughs> yes. I, oddly I, enough, oddly enough, actually, I was actually talking to, uh, via Instagram Messenger, uh, one of the girls that was on the trip with us. Like, we met a bunch of girls that were on the same bus trip really? with us. I was talking to the other day, yeah. Really? You keep in touch with girls you met on the bus on the trip <laughs> to Canada? We made lifelong friends, Joe. We, like, at 20 the time, years ago? at the time, like, we, like, added each other on, like, say, Facebook or whatever, like whatever it was then. Was that MySpace at that point? Maybe, I feel like that's kind of this, yeah. this is my Friendster account. <laughs> I was gonna say I turned 
I turned tw- 19 or 20 while I was there. So 19? like you're talking. So yeah. So, if, so if I turned 19 while we're there, we're talking 2005. So I don't know what I, I think Facebook. Probably yeah, MySpace, Facebook, Facebook was around by then. We had Facebook by. But I think you needed right a university email. Yeah. Maybe. maybe Whatever yeah. it was, but you stayed in touch because then when you, you got the new thing, it said people you may know because I had their numbers. So, like, it would always come up in your contacts load and whatever it is. But, yeah, yeah. I have a couple of them on, like, Instagram and stuff now. Not like two of them at this point. But cool. I, I love making new friends. Thanks a lot, asshole. Listen, it, it was it was a, a, a cherished, cherished uh, trip. Did you always go to jail in Canada? Everybody's older. I if don't... we want to go to Canada now, we don't have to do it on a bus, right? Yeah. To be fair, Ferg. It's very possible. It's very possible that I could have been arrested. To clue people in, too, by the way, like for those of you listening. So we, we've said a million times. If you listen to the show enough, you would know. But if you're new, we're from Boston. OK, so what they would do was and I don't know if these still exist, but because we're all in our mid second half of our 30s at this point. But <sighs> when you're like 18 years old, the drinking age, obviously, in Canada is 18 versus 21 here in the States. So they would have a bus that leaves Boston and just basically shuffles a bunch of 18, 19, and 20-year-olds into Montreal to basically get drunk all weekend, and then they just send you back. But for like 100, it was 135 bucks at the time, and it covered your ride both ways and your hotel for like, was it two or three nights? I forget what it was. So it's like yeah, actually it like, a pretty good deal. Yeah, it was a great deal. Yeah, the, the price of it is kind of insane. I imagine there probably still is some sort of way to do that now but it's probably a bit more though now it's probably like 300 probably like bucks a year, yeah. or so the amount but, of money the canadian government must make off of american 18 year old tourists coming in is fucking insane a weird thing too of that is i played a show once with the band from montreal and they were telling we we're talking about like going to canada coming back to the u.s vice versa the funny thing is how drinking is 18 in canada buying cigarettes is 19 so the way that we used to have to cross the we'd cross the border or people who live near Canada would cross the border to go get drunk. They would have to cross the border the other way to buy cigarettes. So like these dudes lived across the like near the border and they would basically do like a trade. So yeah, now that Richard and Larry are fighting, it's getting a little more heated. Um, you know, they start arguing about uh, you know how insensitive Larry is. Uh, you know, he says oh, this woman knows seven languages. You know, she's very sweet. Uh, you know, he drove down here in rush hour. And I want to note, by the way, the actress that plays her, and I'm sorry, I don't have her name queued up at the moment. She does, in fact, speak seven languages. So that was pulled from, like, reality with her. Ooh, fancy. Sophia Milos. Milos. Was she Greek? Meatloaf. She was married to Meatloaf. Oh, Sophia Meatloaf. Okay. Uh, do you know who she is in the movie Mafia? That amazing movie. Oh, I love like that 2000. movie. I, that movie was so much funnier than it, than it should have been. I know. I, it comes up so often. Every time I'm in the Target or something and I see the three-pack of tennis balls, I just immediately think of the scene where she's making gravy and she pops it open and three meatballs fall out. <laughs> it's can, so fucking stupid. For me, it's the throw-up scene when they're all <laughs> yes. gets me every time. <laughs> he's burnt and he's eating the piece of orange. <laughs> he sucks it in. I also like too when they're introducing all the Dons. There's also Don Quixote and Don Cornelius. <laughs> this literally comes Mafia up like later. once a month that I look up on Amazon, and the only thing I think you can buy on buy Mafia on is like a two pack with some other terrible movie, and I'm just gonna have to do it. I wonder if I can get it on Blu-ray. Or the problem? It's probably a DVD only. Kind yeah, of I looked for the Blu-ray. And I don't think, or if it, maybe it's a two Blu-ray pack or something. But she's the mom who makes the meatballs when the, she's the young version when they're in Italy. 
Oh. <laughs> so funny. those are two great credits to have on your IMDb. <laughs> I was in Mafia and I speak all these languages. She speaks seven languages and she's stuck being in the movie Mafia. But so this is uh, you know, another one of the scenes we're talking about where it keeps happening where clearly Richard Lewis is laughing at some of these comments. And Larry now gets into a semantic debate about our fake breasts and breast implants really breasts, at which point he just calls them big chemical balls, which I got a, a really good laugh at. There's a point where you can tell Richard Lewis almost says tits. Yeah. And stops himself and says breasts. And just they funny, both kind of chuckle about it. Yeah. Might have been just what he wanted presented of himself on air saying maybe he didn't want yeah, to right. use the word. Well, that Baruku money would have been... Boku. Baruku. Baruku Got Jeff Gorilla. We got Baruku. <laughs> Jeff Gorilla. It's funny. Now, does everybody have any thoughts on this? I mean... I prefer naturals. What? <laughs> there it is. Thank See, you. I disagree with Larry. I think that wasn't way, what I was asking, by the way. I think either way, they're called breasts. <laughs> yeah. I was asking yeah. what your thought of the semantic side of the debate was whether or not you would still consider them breasts. But it, I'm glad it, to know that Jay likes naturals. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny because at this point, things kind of flip around where, like, Larry wasn't in the wrong. And now he suddenly is because he's being a complete dick. He keeps well, insulting. Yeah, that's his like calling all this other stuff. Yeah, it's like. But no, uh, Joe. To go back to what you're saying though, um, I'm trying to think of a good example. But like, if someone had like a prosthetic leg and they said, "Oh, like yeah, my leg," you wouldn't correct and be like, "That's not a real leg." Right. Like, no, so, of course yeah. not. So, yeah. But I also wouldn't like, call it a real leg. Well, you'd but, call it a leg. You call that's it not, prosthetic. Yeah, leg. but he, yeah, yeah, but they, he they wouldn't go, walk up to you and say, "This is my real leg." Yeah, he didn't. Say, <laughs> yeah, he didn't say like, "Hey, you were standing on my girl's real breasts." <laughs> oh, I get like, that, but I'm saying Larry's wrong too, and I consider if you have augmentation, that doesn't not make it a breast. I think that's an odd argument to make, but I, I think it's I had, different um, than if somebody comes up to you and says, "Is this a leg?" I to, believe like, I read something leg. that like he feels like. Larry David feels uncomfortable making jokes and stuff about people's appearance. So he'll like cross with them beforehand to see if it's like, okay, if he says something or so like mentioning like Jeff's weight or her breast, I think were like things that were like, he was a little apprehensive of doing and make sure that the, the actor is okay with it first. I didn't even notice. Did she have big boobs? She didn't. I was just all right. I well, I'm glad you brought it up because she didn't have big boobs. At I, I, all. I was going I, I to bring it up. I never earlier. really it, noticed them. Honestly, in the I didn't movie, either, yeah. especially in the movie scene when it specifically comes up, saying like, "Are you looking at my breast?" Inherently, you can't help but look yeah. at her breast yeah. after that. And in that moment, I was like, "I don't." I, I mean, hey, maybe it's the angle I'm catching them at. But um, no, I I think it's one of those. It, they don't have to be real breasts to be considered breasts. It's like on a technicality, yeah. are they? No, but that's not how that works in that scenario. No, that's But I true. do love that it's such a Larry David thing to get into semantics about whether or not they're real. You know what I mean? <laughs> uh, and this is where Richard really starts getting flustered. He starts going through all of the, uh, the issues he has, his cholesterol, which is shockingly high, by the way. And I have high cholesterol, but that's pretty bad level of cholesterol uh you know the alcoholism all of that has anybody ever seen when richard lewis was on howard stern this is like 2001 maybe and this is when howard stern was just like a super fucking dickhead and mm -hmm. he just decorated the entire office uh set the studio with just booze bottles but like this is like he's much softer and they wouldn't do this now I nowadays don't think. he's way different but what did he wait what did he decorate with i didn't catch you say it 
he just put like full booze bottles and glasses everywhere. And the entire time was like, oh, you're an alcoholic, huh? You want some whiskey? You want some rum? You're just like, I remember watching it at the time because it's one that used to be on like E. Yeah, it's you know, not you funny. It's it uncomfortable. Night. Yeah, I used to watch that on E all the time, actually. And as a 15 year old being like, this is wrong. <laughs> he is being so mean to poor Richard Lewis. Uh, but the alcoholism thing is like a big part of his life and definitely comes up a lot in Curb. Nowadays, by the way, on Howard's, I don't uh, have serious or anything like that. So, like, I don't really follow him these days. But um, anytime I see a clip pop up on social media, it's just him with some music act going on. Be like, play an acoustic version of this song and tell me why you wrote it. Yeah, <laughs> it's always just him being like, Bruce Springsteen, tell me about Born to Run. You're what like, that's a different not the same pivot show. from, like, hey, let me throw baloney on your tits. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. like, like, well, I, guess, yeah, I guess with him, like, he got really into the whole COVID thing. He didn't leave his house for, like, two and a half years, like. And he was just like... He doesn't come off as someone who's like... Well, if I ever interview Howard Stern, I'm going to decorate the studio with COVID. (laughs) Just (laughs) bottles of COVID. (laughs) You want a drink, bud? You're afraid of COVID, huh? WNBC. Don't sit on that speaker. (laughs) 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 Right now, there's somebody uh, walking, listening to the podcast with a phone in their pocket, and we just cost them a little bit of ruggle in their tuggle. You're or, they, or they just thought they got a text message. It's the crease. It's the crease. <laughs> we'll, just, we'll just make it pants tense. My mind is just blown now thinking about the back-to-back that used to be like two hours of Howard Stern and then two hours of the Anna Nicole Smith show and how terrible television has become. It was terrible then, too. <laughs> no, that's what I mean. Like, that, like, conning that. Like, that was the moment where I was like, oh, it's all downhill. Joe, I was going to text you a couple of days ago. I was listening to um, Whiskey Ginger, which is Andrew Santino's podcast. And he was talking to Margaret Cho, who I guess hung out with Anna Nicole at like a party once. Okay. <laughs> like, so I guess somehow it ended up with the two of them making out at a party. So there's a, the weirdest visual ever. But That's Margaret, an odd one, yeah. Margaret Cho and, and, and uh, Anna Nicole Smith. But at some point, Andrew Santino does the, you want my body? Yes. Like, and, it, and I was like, oh, my God. Nothing goes away. Trim spa, baby. Trim spa, baby. My cold, dead body. Nope, not the cold, dead. You don't have to. <laughs> <laughs> I think I do. You have to. And Richard's telling him, you know, he's a little bit in love with her. And then Larry, again, just pushes back. He's a little bit should be the operative here. He just, like, can't leave it alone. He tells him he's the most insensitive person he's ever seen. Uh, that's when Larry comes back and just starts going. So I think we're supposed to get that she is supposed to want to be an actress, which I don't think we heard anything about this previously, but he, like... They don't do a lot no. with that. Yeah, that, I think that's one of those you're improving and you say something and it doesn't lead to much. Right, because he's like, oh, the actress... She's, he's trying to say she's using him and his cred to get better at roles. It must be, right? Because he says, are you reading like Neil Simon plays with her in bed and stuff like that? Which like, I just think that because there was nothing to bring that up, it's kind of a weird pivot. But again, I think it's the improv thing where you start going somewhere, you have to keep going. I think he's just trying to say that that's all girls in Hollywood. They're all fake. And he, she doesn't love him. She's using him. Just like her breasts. <laughs> Allegedly. <laughs> Thank you, Gordon. <laughs> And this is another really great line where Larry yells for the second time. And he actually is kind of scary when he yells. He says she shouldn't be reading Neil Simon. She should be reading Emily fucking Post. <laughs> and uh, Emily Post, if anybody knows, is like the famous etiquette uh, guides. So, Oh, okay. Okay. That's so like, that, again, that an interesting sense. poll. But I just love she, that. She wouldn't move for him. I bet she's the kind of person that walks on the left side and doesn't. Like, she gets in the way of people. Everyone knows you walk on the right. Oh, the people who walk halfway up an escalator on the left side and then just fucking stop. <laughs> Me, IRL. Yeah, you're a terrible fucking human being. If I you do really that, do that at the airport on the walkway. 
the other day and some it's not dad a ride man like my dad was like you stand on the right and i'm like i'll do whatever i want no fuck you i work yeah. at the airport and every time someone does that i want to punt them in the fucking head yeah well <laughs> guess like, what you won't have a job at the airport if you do just stand on the other side there's nope. a side to stand I'm on be so like, simple. To walk on. i am from canada they think i'm slow eh I, I've been to Canada before, slow. and uh, yeah, you would have escalators and stuff there too. That was a Simpsons line. <laughs> I know it was, <laughs> and that and that walking sidewalk is only in Terminal E, which is the international. That's lane. not true. It's not true. Again, it's I work 100% at one hundred percent true. Don't I work at the airport? They're I lying to you. That's what they want <laughs> you to think. What is happening right now? This is Gordo arguing with facts again, which he does often. <laughs> Gordo, tell me more about where I work. Is there really a guy that like, Gordo, birds? you worked there too. <laughs> yeah, I only yeah. worked in Terminal E. So it only exists in E because it's the only terminal he was in. <laughs> Have so you ever been to any other terminal? In that one section and you saw it, you assumed this must be the only one. <laughs> Ooh, an exclusive. <laughs> I like the idea that, like, this really works here, but we won't let anybody else know about it. Well, that's why it's the Gordo treadmill. That's what that's what happens when Gordo improvs. Dun-dun-dun. Basically, at this point, Richard is trying to make peace with the whole situation. It was like, you know, I love you. We've been friends a long time. We've been through all this different stuff. I think we can make it through this. But now I need you, when we have dinner on Saturday, to actually apologize to her. So now we've got the second person who's asking Larry to apologize. And to Nick's point earlier, again, it's trying to change something that'll never change. We see it twice in this episode where Larry's not going to apologize. And it comes up a third time, which actually comes out earnestly. But the first two, it does not work. Funny, he's kind of like Bizarro Larry. He's like super nice and it's like a good soul. He falls in love and all this other stuff. Thinks the best of his friend where Larry's just super cynical and an asshole all the time. Always lying. I do kind of love that type of relationship though, right? Because, I mean, you look at this, right? Like we are all fairly different types of people. You know what I mean? But we all get along really well. And sometimes there are conversations we have here where you're like, nobody's on the same page. I mean, like whenever we try to figure out something that we all do together or where we would go, you know what I mean? Like it's just... It's like the episode of The Office where they're trying to order lunch and nobody can do it. It's like, I don't want fish. <laughs> Basically, the scene just keeps dragging out as they're still fighting about it. And this is the part where I think the best break of the entire episode happens, where Richard Lewis tells him he better call him by sundown. And Larry David <laughs> calls like him that. Gary Cooper. And Richard Lewis just fucking barely holds on by a thread here, trying not to laugh so hard that he's going to ruin the scene. To a point where he even references it, he's laughing. He goes, "That's that's actually pretty good." Which he feels so <laughs> yeah. honest and earnest. To I'm like, trying not to laugh right now, <laughs> yeah, but that's not to yeah. laugh right. But now. that's like that works in that moment because we've done that in real fights with people. You know what I mean? Where like you end up breaking because something happens, and you're trying to like put on your angry face still, but they make you, you laugh. Yeah, something happened that was funny. Funny because I didn't know the whole improv. Thing. I didn't know most of the show's improv, and Me now. Too. Knowing that and going through the scene again, it's like so different. So like I like. I that feel so like much the more. second I turned this on from scene one, I was like, "This is all improv." Every I, it, every I just thought it was improv. poor acting, and I don't think they're all poor actors or anything. <laughs> yeah. Don't get me wrong, like that. I just thought some of it was poor acting. I just feel like it came off like that. I think it just comes off that way. Just the I don't know, just the way that they speak is so different. Like you just can't write that kind of dialogue that way. So the way that people are reacting and 
You see people jumping over each other and talking at the same time, which is it's never something that happens in a script. So, like, I, I think all those things kind of aided to it being obviously improv. I can't even imagine what this show would be like with a stricter format, though. Like, I feel like the beauty of it is that it is so loose. I feel like it, it would, be, it would be, be Seinfeld. I mean, I guess it would be Touché. pretty much Seinfeld. Yeah. Which, again, that whole season where they do Seinfeld. So another cut here now after the situation with Richard Lewis. Now we're going back to we talked about earlier where you have the exterior of a house and go inside and we find out that we're at uh, Jeff's house now um, and we see Susie Beautiful Aspen for house, the first by time. The way. My God. This is a nice house. Well, when you have clients where you get 10% of their net worth for everything they do and their net worth is $400 million, you can afford yeah, a right? pretty <laughs> nice house. Um, basically, he's over there now to go see Jeff's parents who are still in town to apologize for the Hitler joke they were so offended by. And Larry, to his credit here, he does. He's earnest. He's nice. He apologizes. He understands that he offended these people. He doesn't have any weirdness about it. But what I love so much here is that he sort of throws Jeff under the bus, too. <laughs> He's like, you know, I would have, uh, you know, if I had known you were in the car, I wouldn't have said it to him. He's like, but you'd still say it to him. Like, Jeff Jeff would find this funny, too. Like, his parents are there, and <laughs> Jeff does a pretty good backtrack of this, too, where even Jeff says something to him where he's like, you know, he apologizes. He, he, he moves the situation along quickly and well. He's a good bro. Good. Very good bro. He is a very good bro. And he's, I mean, like, you have to imagine, too, that without seeing any other pieces of the show, right, even the first one, that this is not their first rodeo, right? Like, this shit happens to the two of them all the time, and they're always cleaning up for each other. I do like here, too, when he's, when he's making the apology, he actually, which I think is a very Larry David thing, too, is he brings up the reason he's apologizing, too. We're like, you might say, like, hey, look, I'm sorry, I said something that offended you. Like, I didn't mean to. But even he has to be like, I'm sorry, I don't think my wife is Hitler. Like, it's so <laughs> unnecessary to double down and have to say it again to these people who are clearly so offended by Hitler. I think they did good casting with the parents, too. They just look like older, like, judgy parents. <laughs> uh, his dad in this, he was like the voice of a bunch of characters in Inspector Gadget. <laughs> was he which I thought was a very interesting credit that we would have, you know, oh. watched a billion times as kids. Did he do the voice of Penny? <laughs> I don't, don't I love his voice in this that he could just transform into Petty. <laughs> so after the apology and everything happens, now we actually see Susie for the first time actually come in and sort of speak and have a conversation. And she lets everybody know that the two kids upstairs fell asleep with each other with their arms around each other. And they want to go upstairs and see them real quick before they move and roll over and sort of ruin the moment. And to sort of uh date this a little bit too, Jeff is like, Oh, I'll get the Polaroid camera. <laughs> right, yeah. Can't really Which, date it because Polaroids are—they come back every few years and they're popular. It's again. always a it's hipster so weird. thing, you know. It's always gonna like exist in that world. I literally looked one up recently because I was like, I'd kind of like the idea of having this, just to have some physical photos of stuff around, you know. And uh, they're not cheap now, and the film no, is not no. cheap. No, I bought someone one not too long ago, maybe within like a year or two, a couple years get, back. Like, don't you have to get like offset, like? uh photo stuff um like it's not by polaroid anymore you have to get like some other company well like and- yeah like fuji uh, film bought fuji the does, like so they have know. the fuji um like color shot or whatever it was called and what's they, weird is that they're smaller yeah yeah here's the thing with those is those like i know it's nice to have physical copies present but those are like made to like they just don't last at like the test of time so you really are better just taking phone photos or whatever Go in a CVS, load a few up on your account, and like print them. Like they always have deals. You can get a bunch of four by six prints done, like really cheap. 
And like, I, I oh, literally yeah. did this recently. You just go on like cvs.com uh, photo thing, like from your phone, upload a few photos, like pick four by sixes. You, you can pay for it on your phone and you can go to CVS within the hour up. and just pick up the prints. It's like, I get like the, the nostalgia and like the hip part of having like Polaroids, but those photos are going to deteriorate. So then you end up taking a picture of that with your phone anyways to keep it. You're so, also stuck carrying photos around all night. <laughs> that's true also. That's true too. That always happens say, like uh, at weddings now. Like I always get nervous because it's like I have the photo strips that I want and I have to make sure that they don't get destroyed by the time I get home. Speaking of weddings and cameras too, like we were talking the other day about how, you know, it used to be, you know, post Polaroid, you'd go to a wedding, every table would have a... Oh, a disposable yeah. camera. So you all take pictures, right? Uh, so we were talking about that the other day because we were like making jokes about like we didn't do it at our wedding. We looked up, like, I guess, like, only one or two companies now are still making those disposable cameras. Because you have to remember that film doesn't last forever, right? Film deteriorates, so you can't just go buy, like, a bunch of dead stock ones and expect them to work perfectly. Right. So because, like, only one person is making them and because they're not in demand anymore, you used to be able to get, like, the CVS or store brand ones for, like, I don't know, eight or nine bucks by the end. Now they're like $45 to $50 for a disposable camera. And developing film is also crazy expensive now, too. And those take shitty pictures. So you're just going to get a bunch of shitty pictures with your thumb over them and a bunch that don't expose. You're going to pay $50 for it, and it's just pointless. You don't even know if they suck until you develop them. But I'll say I've gone to a few weddings where they have like a Polaroid setup, so like where you sign in. You can take a you like take a Polaroid essentially of yourself, and you like paste it into like a scrapbook for them. Yeah. So they have all those well, like neat. Yeah, that's a good that's a good thinking thing too. Yeah, I know that's a big thing with like photo booths now, and like you provide like wacky decorations. Pho- photo and booths stuff. at weddings are honestly like the main yeah. attraction now. It's like the funnest yeah. part of being at the wedding is getting to use a photo booth these days. I love the actual photo strips. I mean, those are always yeah. But and you'll you'll leave it on your fridge like for ten years. You know what I mean? Like they always. I actually have uh, the last wedding I was at. I had a bunch of photos we took at Russ's wedding. Yeah. yeah see, there you go. <clears throat> I mean, it's like a business now. Some people just have them like on a trailer. You just yeah. rent them out to a wedding. Yeah. It's lucrative too. So yeah. I imagine that's much more fun and a lot less overhead than doing a food truck. That's been great. Yeah. yeah. People that that got into the game ahead of time. Like now, now it's like you got all that competition. You can't like just pick it up and be like. There are a lot. That's the thing, because like anybody could go and buy the same equipment they have, right? Like it's not like these people own the patents on these photos. It's not proprietary, yeah. They're just buying them. They're just buying them on whatever website and having one delivered. And yeah, you have to ship it. You need like a truck to get it around. But once you have the equipment, you they're all working off the same softwares. And now it's just a matter of like weddings are all like hearsay for the most part, right? You have your wedding and then you start talking to other people like, oh, like anyone have a good photo booth place or like you think of weddings you've gone to in the past. And like if you're like the new one to the game, you have to do how many free weddings basically. So like the the word chain starts coming up. I think the key is you get in on like a multiple thing, right? Have you ever been to an outdoor wedding that had uh, like really nice porta potties? No. I've been to ones that have them. Last summer. It's Not wild. They're weddings, like trailers. I've, been, I've with... been to ones that have those oh, types have of porta potties, though. Yeah. I have, I have pooped in those. <laughs> we didn't have to know which way it came out. I mean, we knew which way you it could, came out. You could just went to, to wash your hands. Yeah. No, we all know I pooped in one of them. They happened by the uh, public gardens. And by the way, if you have a, a 
a photo booth when you said multiple deals there are you expecting them to like go for their second wedding and third wedding no i meant like what i was getting at was like if you're the company that also provides the really nice porta potties oh you're making a joke about when i get divorced well and me too buddy okay (laughs) (laughs) then you guys can marry each other I like the idea of like 10 years from now we're doing this podcast and then just like we never bring up jokes about our wives ever again. It's like, oh, I know what happened here. You're, you're both just angry now on the show. No cat though. No cat though. Yeah, what? so then basically Larry says he doesn't want to go upstairs and see the baby. And I love that Jeff, again, is a bro. And he's just like, hey, I don't, I don't care. Like, you don't have to go see my baby. And also, it's not like they gin- yeah. he hasn't met the kids. Yeah, he's definitely seen there. their kids a bunch That's of times. That's the thing. Yeah, it's blown up to be this whole thing. But it's one of those situations. Again, it's like everybody's wrong. Don't put him in the weird scenario that he well, has to go up and just look at your baby. But yes on and his, no. On because his end too, it's like it's easy to just walk up and look real quick and go, okay, now I gotta go home. Yes and no, but only because only if you know the show a little bit that Jeff's wife is an insufferable bitch. Like she is like the worst person. And so I feel like having known that, Larry's reaction or or what Larry did make sense. Just like fuck this lady, like I don't care. I've seen your kids before makes more sense you don't uh, know that in this pilot right exactly yeah but i feel like you can also just get the idea of like what she says is like the kind of thing that's only cute to the parents and the grandparents it's like oh they're sleeping cute every kid every parent thinks their kid is sleeping cute like if it's not your kid or whatever like you have no, no skin in this game you don't really care like larry can just go it's not a friend come take a look thing yeah, so people putting those rails of your children up, stop it. No one cares. I mean, if you want to, go ahead. <laughs> no, I said <laughs> stop. The Ferg goes frantically deleting all the pictures of his kid from his Instagram. Every, yeah, I was going to say, from now on, every time Ferg posts a picture of his son, I'm going to report it. <laughs> but as spam for some weird reason. Or like some sort of like religious affront. They react on that way quicker. If, they if, do. If it's like offensive, they're like, whatever. If you think it's spam, they're like, auto-delete. Oh, yeah, if there's, like, a boob out, it can be out for, like, a whole day before they'll take it down or something. But if there's somebody just, yeah, just spamming you, they, they, don't, they don't want that. I'll say there's going to be a weird tangent, but fuck it. Go for it. So, like, my, my Instagram is, like, you know, like, your algorithm gets into weird funks where it's not showing you, like, the same kind of content for a while. Yeah, I so, do. Like, Thank you, Gordo. Right. Well, but, like, for a while, like, it's, like, whatever. whatever. Like, I'll get videos of, like, people cutting steaks and stuff. I'm, like, I like that stuff, whatever. And then, like, you know, it was, like, zit videos or, like, other weird videos, but... Can I ask you, is this going to be the trend of breastfeeding? Yes. Mm-hmm. I'm getting breastfeeding videos, and I'm like, listen, admittedly, I'm a fan of boobs, but not under that context. I don't need to see... If you want to post that, if you're a mother and you don't care, and you're like, I think this should be normalized, that's fine. But why is Instagram now thinking... This guy needs to see random breastfeeding videos. I don't need to watch well, the, ba- that. the baby always moves and you get to, you see the nipple. So it's like strange <laughs> yeah. that that's allowed. That's what I'm getting at. <laughs> I hate that's this conversation natural. so much. It's just weird. I'm just saying it's weird that it's popping up all the time now. Look, I'm with you. Look, I think that you should be able to breastfeed anywhere you want. That's fine. I have no issue with that at all. But I do think it's weird that algorithmically it wants you to know that or see that. That is very strange. We need to change this guy's mind and know that it's natural. Maybe it's that's like, what it's trying to tell you. Drew. No, I think what happens is you like a few photos where a girl might be wearing something cleavagey or something, and now Instagram, the, the robot's confused about what you like about them. I know, they just think you're Todd Crisley and you love boobs. I just love boobs. <laughs> 
Lately, the only thing I keep getting in my algorithm now are videos of kids who put hot dogs in their sleeping friends' mouths, and then when they wake up, quickly zip their pants up to make them say they're funny. Trend. That is funny. I don't get those ones. They make me laugh. That's they make a weird like algorithm. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know why it started showing me those, but I. <laughs> I just want to point out: Jay looks at a lot of boob ones, and he's getting breastfeeding. Joe's getting hot dog and mouth, and guys zipping their pants. So, what are you looking at? And liking? He's gonna, he's gonna start getting weird, like catheter videos. <laughs> Is this going to be the first episode we release after Todd Chrisley's in prison? I think so, yeah. If yeah, he's been yeah. listening to us all this time, it's going to be the first one he misses, unfortunately. I'm a big Curb fan. Ah, <laughs> oh, I've been waiting for that one. I hate how many minutes total in my life I've seen that show from only seeing the first two minutes of episodes after wrestling on Mondays for, like, years, you know? I've done binges of that show when it's oh, been on I can't marathons. believe you could stand that. Like Jerry Springer, man. It's trash. and You can't look away. My mother loves the Chrisleys. Yeah, and then again, static shot, right? Larry walking away where they just hold the camera on him. So again, just keep keep doing that, the repeat on that. And essentially, this is where we get the, the big blow up with Nancy. So Larry comes home and Cheryl calls him into the room. And Cheryl is so upset about the arousal situation that she's actually called Nancy over so that they can have a discussion about whether or not Larry was aroused by her at the movie theater. God, when he walked Cheryl, in the room... Man. When he walked in the room and she was there, I got uncomfortable. <laughs> like, just the thought that this conversation had to happen was like, what is wrong with his wife to think that this is a normal thing to do? They did a great job of making this scene feel, like, hard to watch. Like, you feel like you're in it. Like, you understand how nightmarish this would be for Larry. I still think maintain that the best twist would have been if he really did have an erection. And this was all his lie, and he's been lying to us the whole time, too. Like, later on, he's talking to Jeff, and he's like, funny thing is, I actually had one. <laughs> dun, dun, dun. Because, yeah. yeah, that conversation's, like, starting with her just, they explain what happens, and the wife vouches for him, and is like, you know, like, yeah, we were actually talking about it earlier, before, you know, he even went to the movies. We are talking about how the pants fold like that. And this is another scene, too, where the, another part of the episode where, and very much Larry, right? Like, it just comes down to semantics. They end up getting into an argument because he would admit it if he had an erection. And he doesn't want her going around saying she gave him one if he didn't. And that's the hill he's dying on for this argument. It's yeah. weird because, like, the, her friend, like, tone changes right to at first. Because at first he's like, listen, he got an erection. It's not a big deal. It happens. Like, I was rubbing his arm, which obviously was, like, spawned into that whole other thing. But... As soon as he denied it, then she's, like, mad. Like, she felt like... It was almost like she was pr privately, like, proud that yeah, he got she's clearly offended by, by the her, fact that yeah, like, he would say no. Yeah, like, the fact that he was aroused by her touch, like, maybe silently she was kind of like, ooh, like, you know, I, I got him excited. And then as soon as he denies it, like, it, it took that away from her, and now she's, like, offended, and she's getting, like, aggressive and angry. Uh, I think the one of the sleeper jokes of this episode is this is when larry starts talking about sources that give him an erection yeah so he starts Sophia talking Loren. about easily my favorite him. part of the whole episode is this i know my sources like, <laughs> <laughs> well that's <laughs> sophia loren was once one implies that sophia loren no longer is one which i think is kind of funny but, but sophia loren Cheryl... is up your oh go ahead sophia loren up your alley she's my age group yeah but even in his explanation where he says that he knows his sources it's like, he says, like, there's examples, but he's like, and sometimes it happens out of nowhere. So wouldn't that, like, aid itself to, like, sometimes I don't know the source would, would 
almost defend the fact that it could have happened under that circumstance. Yeah, he shouldn't have said that comes out of nowhere because that would imply that she could have still, there's still a chance that it was her who caused it. Yeah, it's leading to my point. But then he, when Cheryl's upset that she's not a source, he then tells her, no, of course, that she's a source too. But then he also says that Nancy is a source, which I think is like the funniest sleeper joke of the entire <laughs> yeah. episode. They they cut away from it real quick too, so it's almost like you'd miss it if you blink. But I think that's such like a perfect. He gets himself in trouble again by letting her know again that she is a source of directions for him in general. I didn't also, catch you, that. You kind of left kind of left out that uh, Cheryl's really angry because he left out the armra before. Oh yeah, yeah. I, I touched on it like for a second, but yeah, it was like a whole other layer of the problem. But that was the only way it was addressed. That's why I thought I said earlier when. When it happened, I thought that was going to be like the plot point that got talked about is that she was like rubbing his arm. And I thought he was going to come back and say, you know, when we were at the movies, you know, your friend was rubbing my arm. I think she was like flirting with me. I thought that was going to be the story instead. I think if you took this episode at the at that conversation, you could have put a fork in the road and gone either way and gotten back to the exact same point. So it's interesting. Right, it, it leads yeah. just right back to this conversation where they end up getting in a fight over misunderstanding. And of course, you know. Not helping any of his case, as always. You know, they get in a huge fight. And then she, Nancy, that is, freaks the fuck out on him and basically gets up to leave and lets him know that there was something hard and it was your fucking dick. And then she just runs out of the house with them chasing her. <laughs> this is a good turn, too, because she's so quiet and soft this whole episode. And like Her first scene is like a consoling, gentle... <laughs> for just explode and start screaming about his dick at the end. I think it's such a good way for her to leave the episode. I earned that fucking boner. I earned, <laughs> I earned it. that yeah, right. fucking boner. That is the effect that Larry David has on everyone on the show. Though. It's true. It turns them into that. I do appreciate too at this point where Larry's trying to explain it. He's not wearing the oh, same the pants. pants. Yeah. <laughs> so then he runs out. He's like he's trying to explain to her that he'll go put the pants on for her. This whole thing starts turning into like a weird porn or something at that point. You know. Yeah, so next we uh we get to the exterior shot of the restaurant Mama's Boy. And the restaurant is busy, and Larry and Cheryl walk into the door, and Cheryl turns to Larry and she says, This place is really crowded, only to be greeted kind of by a hostess, um, played by Laurel Moglin, um child actress, not really kind of known for anything. Um, but she's very distracted. How dare you? Why Mog- she know? Moglins for? are the villains in um The Legend of Zelda. Oh, that's where we know her from. Oh, okay. No, where we know her from is she's Judy in Revenge of the Nerds 3 and 4. All the best ones. Nerds in love. Booger gets married, bro. I hate that one. That's a bad movie. Oh, is she really? Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. All right. So, again, nothing that four out of five of us- How old is she? She seemed young in this. Well, you gotta remember the Revenge of the Nerds 3 and 4 came out in the early 90s. That's still like 10 years prior to like this coming out, essentially, right? She yeah, like but she if she was 18, if she was a freshman. Yeah, she's really young in that Revenge of the Nerds. Yeah, movie. Like, she's like still pretty young in this. Yeah, that's true. She looked around our age, maybe a little bit younger. Anyways, so Larry, you know, starts his conversation saying that, you know, he's got a reservation for David for eight o'clock. And the hostess tells him that she has you for a party of four. And Larry says that there's only going to be two of them. Before the conversation goes any further, though, between the converse, between the hostess and Larry, uh, you hear, hey, Larry, come over here. And it's Jeff and his parents sitting at a table by the bar. Now, as Cheryl and Larry are walking over, Jeff introduces Cheryl to his parents. 
And his dad says, uh, what a pretty lady she is. And Larry looks at the parents and asks, how's everything? And to which both parents just shoot him a look that could <laughs> kill. And in the middle of all of this, Jeff calls Larry over for like kind of like a sidebar conversation. And Larry asks, and Larry asks if she's going to tell if his parents are going to talk, tell her about the Hitler joke. Jeff says, no, 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 that's not going to happen. But there is a little bit of a problem, he informs Larry. He said, remember the other day when you were leaving and they want you to look at the kids? Well, my parents are mad that you didn't. Larry is just like, what? They thought you should have come up. And Larry, and this is just like in a tone that only Larry David can say. And he's like, up the stairs to see the kid? Yeah. That's insane. <laughs> um, and Jeff tells him, he goes, ah, actually, you know, I like your Larry David. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Uh, speaking of my Larry David, Jay, how is your Bobcat Goldthwaite coming along? I, you know, I've been working tirelessly at it, so I'm, I'm you should be. This you is episode number... We're like 93, maybe like that. We're somewhere in that this room. Will be I think this is 93. This is I 93. Is today, 92. We're a couple months away. Well, we haven't discussed officially, and now it's not really the time, because we don't have time. I, people might be tired of this episode as it is, but we... It's kind of a toss-up, right? If we're going to do Golden Palace or Bob Hart Abishola for the two-year, really riveting. Uh, definitely on both Bob shows. If you think about it, yeah. Inquiring <laughs> minds want to know. Bob Hart. Maybe we'll make a fan poll. Well, yeah. Anyways, moving along. Uh, as this conversation is happening, the hostess interrupts Larry and Jeff and says that she's trying to find a place for the table of two for Larry and Cheryl, but she just doesn't have it. And Cheryl walks over to Larry, is shocked. By this and the hostess tells him that they can't sit two people at a table of four which larry tries to get them a table of two and the hostess says there's no table for two available for another hour and a half and they just get into this back and forth conversation about wasting space and how they can't sit two people where there would be four i'm originally. sorry larry david has too much money for this to be a problem ah yeah, no i completely agree I completely agree. Because um, usually the mindset would be like four people, you're gonna we're gonna get more money, two more entrees, whatever. Like we're gonna get more money out of your bill. But in this be situation, like four like, parmesans. Yeah, like, and I know Larry David isn't the type, especially on the show, the character version to offer money to solve this problem. But like, this is a solvable problem. No, agreed. And that kind of comes up next because Cheryl kind of sees all this going on and she's like oh you know what the hour and a half wait that's fine as the hostess goes away she turns to larry and she says just tell her who you are try the seinfeld thing and see if that works and larry just like his character at this point like he just doesn't want to do it he doesn't want to bring in seinfeld he doesn't want to bring any of that up so you can tell by her calling it the th seinfeld thing though that this has been done before exactly at her, exactly at her nudging and the funny thing about this is Larry is going, no, 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 no. And Cheryl calls the hostess back over. And which Cheryl says to the hostess now, he's one of the creators of Seinfeld. And Larry's trying to downplay this. And this is probably like one of the funniest things in the whole episode. It's a great direction. So what Cheryl then says is what I'm trying to say is she can find a table for us. And the waitress tells Larry she saw it once and it was good. And Larry is now like all over the place. And he said, did you really? Which one? And she's stammering over her words. And he turns to Cheryl and he goes, 
She's never even seen the show. Good going. And the hostess is, is she's just trying to like come back with with, you know, she's stammering and she's trying to go on and on about, you know, how she can't give preferential treatment and so forth. And Jeff comes back over and Jeff says, listen, we have a booth. You can come sit at our table. Don't worry about it. She's I've done this before at this restaurant. And then Jeff starts pulling the Seinfeld card too. Like, Seinfeld! Yeah, 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 yeah. Seinfeld! I'm sorry, this is one of the like times where you pull a Karen moment. You ask to speak to the manager. Because she may not recognize him, but the owner or manager would have. And he's a big deal in Hollywood, and you don't want him slandering your business where it's doing very well. I will say too, for people who are a lot younger than us maybe, who listen, it might not understand the level of how big of a deal Seinfeld was. The last episode of Seinfeld, they played on the Jumbo's screen in Times Square. Like, it was a humongous cultural moment that Seinfeld ended, and it went for almost 10 years, and it was, like, the biggest show in the world, and it had only ended two years prior to that. I find it very hard to believe that girl had never seen one episode. I don't know. It's still one of those things, though, from Larry David's perspective. It's uncomfortable to flex. Not everyone's comfortable flexing their celebrity to gain. So, like, like I definitely understand why he ate it and want to, and then B felt incredibly uncomfortable when it did happen. Oh, of course. I could never do that if I was yeah. ever in that position, you know? I totally would. <laughs> <laughs> See, I love that we're talking about different personalities. That's a move right there, yeah. Hi, you might know me from my podcast. <laughs> Are you one of the tens of people who listen to my podcast? <laughs> there are dozens. dozens we appreciate of every one of you. No, we really do. We really do. Thank you for sticking with us. And not to doubt, we do have a good amount more than that. Not to humble brag, but we're doing okay. But it's not <laughs> moving on, moving on. <laughs> yes, moving along. Listen, I'm the one. Look at me, Jay. I am the host now. Moving I on. get to say moving along. I am the host. I am the host. Moving along. See, that's you throwing your power around. You would do it. You'd do it too. Exactly. So they're walking over, and now you, the camera pans, and everybody's sitting at the corner table. Jeff, his wife. Jeff's parents and Larry and Cheryl. Jeff and his parents are kind of going back and forth about menu op- and options. Jeff wants the veal. His dad wants the fish frenzy. And Larry asks the parents, like, when are you going back home? And the mom retorts, why is there an, why is there a hurry? And Jeff is trying to be a good dude here. And he says, next Tuesday, I know I, I bought the tickets, you know, trying to play it off. Over comes. I got a now- time out real quick. I'm sorry. There's no way. This restaurant would have a dish on the menu called the Fish Frenzy. I oh, thought the no. same exact thing. Oh, it's, no. way too, it's way it's too. It's way too super goofy fancy of a restaurant. They're not having something called Frenzy. Yeah, yeah. It's a no. restaurant called Mama's Boy. So. Yeah, but we meet. We meet him. <laughs> yeah. So oh, and, I was, and he is in fact a Mama's Boy. Yeah. I, I, I was going to say, just at that very point, um, the owner. Uh, played, he's played by Tucker Smallwood. I guess he was a director for NBC for a while. He's also in a Biodome, a movie that's come up a bunch of times on this podcast. Wait, Gordo, you don't know him? He's he played the bus boy in Lost Times at Chainsaw Camp Seven. <laughs> I, like I just said Biodome, a movie I know you have seen. <laughs> Who does he play in Biodome? He's the SWAT commander when they come in to try to break into the Biodome. Oh, so he's oh. an extra. Yeah, yeah, okay. He's also in Black Sheep. I didn't say he played a big role. I'm just saying we've all seen him because we've definitely all seen Biodome. And everybody has seen Heavy Metal Parking Lot. And I thank you to the fans who have reached out. No, the fan. Did you say everybody or someone said they saw it? 
And I said, everybody has seen. Don't you stretch the heard truth. Of, rather, you had one fan reach out and now all of a sudden everybody's seen it. Yeah. I Please, I implore anybody who's listened to this long to this episode. I still do want to watch it. You know what it is. Let me I, know. Reach out. I, apparently it's 20 minutes. I was told that yeah, it was. Yeah, it's a short film. And that they made a follow up in the 90s. There's uh, a bunch of follow-ups down. We, yeah. we can't keep talking about this, but Joe, I do have one question because I think the last time this has come up, mm-hmm. you said you bought like the anniversary Blu-ray. Yeah. Why does this need to be on Blu-ray? This thing was probably filmed it's on two like discs. It, 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 was, it, was probably, <laughs> it was filmed on like what? Like like a like a handheld like a camcorder. camcorder. Like you yeah, know, they, they actually, actually filmed them, on they a fruit roll up. Out from like the public access station. They were yeah. At. Like what are you gonna do with Blu-ray for that? Like you don't. It's not in 4K. <laughs> I think that uh, mainly it was for all, like, the bonus features. And to be yeah. fair, they made, like, a bunch of other movies. And it has, like, every movie these guys have ever made on there. Because there were, like, a lot of, like, awesome. 20 In fairness to Joe, uh, Blu-ray is all that there is right now. Right, that's true. Yeah, it's Blu-ray and streaming. Uh, so, I digress. Uh, so, the owner comes up to the table and he apologizes that they are so busy and that he's crowding these people in the corner. And Larry, just out of nowhere, just goes, are you mama's boy? And and the owner goes, yes, I am. And I'm proud of it. He just he, he walks away. The owner walks away. And that was the, the gist of the interaction. But Larry then turns to Cheryl and he says he loves seeing black owners, black entrepreneurship. He just says that at the table. <laughs> and <laughs> Jeff's so parents, it's so awkward because Jeff's parents ask, what does this mean? What do you mean? Like, just and Larry just look, he just doesn't even know what to say and just looks down at the menu. So, at this point in time, you see the camera pan over and Larry looks kind of over his shoulder, and you see Richard Lewis and his uh girlfriend sitting down a a little bit away from the restaurant. At this point, uh, Larry then turns to his wife and he says, Are you having a good time? and she just kind of it's hard to say, it's hard to describe the, her face and what emotion she is saying, but she's definitely not having a good time at this point because everybody in this table is so awkward, right? But to make things even more awkward, who comes walking up to their table? None other than Kathy Griffin. What a wild coincidence. I know, right? <laughs> uh, Kathy tells Jeff how she's been meaning to call him about Larry. Which Larry is now trying to say how they've talked about it, they've talked about it, and he tells Jeff, yeah, the pilot, we should do it, that's what you called him about, I know. Kathy goes, I was going to call you this week, I thought maybe you would want to write something for me, you know? In the camera, and kind of in the middle of this whole exchange between Larry, Jeff, and uh, Kathy Griffin, pans over to Cheryl, who kind of now has a, oh, really? please do go on uh, sort of look to her. Another good face actor. Oh, exactly. Exactly. Um, And Larry says, you know, I know, I know. And Kathy says, how do you know? I thought it would be fun to get together and kick around some ideas. Jeff's parents ask Kathy for her name and her dad calls her an attractive young lady. I love that. The dad, who, you're an attractive young lady. Like, it's just so. He's such a perv. He's such a perv. He's every woman. Exactly. But then bags on Larry for everything that he does wrong. Oh, exactly. Exactly. And now away with that when you're elderly. That's true. That's true. That's true. 
Now Cheryl is giving daggers to Larry because of uh, the earlier lie about the sorry message Jeff left him. And Kathy then says, sorry to interrupt, and walks away. The camera then pans to Cheryl, who's looking at Larry David. And she's got that kind of wait till we get home to Larry, like that kind of look. And Larry just knows he's up Shit's Creek. And there's the slow pan into Larry's face, just kind of looking dejected and knowing that this is it. And then the theme music starts and then credits. He knows that the best part of his day is going to be that fish frenzy. (laughs) (laughs) Are we are we going to guess what's in the fish frenzy? I'm sorry. I I, I think it's like a fisherman's platter. Also, remember, it's West Coast, too. So it's going to be different than it is here. There's not going to be any haddock or. I believe. What similar? They say what it is in the episode. Yeah, said, oh, did, did they, they say what was in the fish frenzy? Yes, they they mentioned blue shrimp. Okay, like blue oh, shrimp, she prawns, white fish and, instead. Uh, a few other things. I forget, but he does read it out what it is. Yeah, he does read a little bit of, right, of what's that. in it. So let's not guess. Fish frenzy <laughs> also just sounds like a bad '90s ska punk band. Yeah, dibs. <laughs> Um, so yeah, I mean, we, we've spent a considerable amount of time on this episode. Uh, does anybody have anything they want to add to it? I do actually. <laughs> I have one thing too, but you go first. So, uh, th- it, it's not so much, um, episode one related, but I just thought it was wildly interesting. So if you guys haven't, there's a documentary on Netflix called long shot. And basically what happened was, um, some 20 something years ago, about 20 years ago or so, there was a guy who got arrested for murder. Oh, the, I have yeah. heard about and this. And the only yeah. way that he ended up getting released uh, on these charges is he was seen on a tape because they happened to be filming an episode of Curb at Dodgers Stadium when this guy was at the Dodgers game at the time of the murder. Because they he he told them that he had tickets for the game and went we to the game. We mentioned this on another episode, didn't we? I don't know. I'm not sure. I'm not sure. Yeah. I don't think so. So like, so yeah, so they ended up, um, they're going through all this footage from Dodger Stadium of the game, because obviously they film all the games, so the TV recordings, the in-house recordings, nothing. There's a point where you see him briefly, but it's not good enough. And then sure as shit, like, wait a minute, let's see if anything happened that day. They were filming an episode of television, they remembered, and it was going on in the aisle that he was sitting on, and like on like the last tape that they find, uh, you could see this guy clear as day walking in the aisle with his daughter. And, like it uh, they, saved his life. He could have gotten death penalty. And they interviewed the Larry David for it too. And it's um, it's only like a half hour documentary, so it's right on Netflix if you want to watch. It's called yeah, Long it's... Shot. Again, I, I would give it a quick buy the cheap like, seats that day. I actually like m- mid watching this episode. I was kind of like looking around for like little tidbits and saw that and stopped the episode and watched the documentary, <laughs> and then I finished the episode afterwards. The episode for that. Uh episode is is very good too it's like a season the, four or something like that i believe the plot for that one is that larry wants to use the hov lane so we can get to the baseball game faster so he picks up a sex worker and then takes her yes. to the baseball game too which is <laughs> a lot of fun yeah, the only thing i want to say the one weird memory i have of this show that i remembered halfway through the episode we we're doing this is i was maybe i don't know 16 or so so it was probably like season two-ish of this and i'm with my dad just like running errands or whatever and he's like oh i have to go to the fire station and pick up my check happens a million times during my life right so he's like chit-chatting with people i get a cup of coffee i go and sit in the like big living room and the living room is all like uh what do you call it like a like end chairs right it's not like couches so you can't see anybody in front of you or behind you 
So like I said, I'm like 16, I sit down, I'm drinking a coffee, and whoever's in there is one person, he's watching Curb Enthusiasm. So I'm like, sweet, I'm going to kill 15 minutes watching Curb Enthusiasm. And he thinks no one is in this room. <laughs> and then, I wish I could remember which episode it is, Cheryl walks in, and he out loud, audibly just says, oh, I'd like to eat her ass. And I fucking <laughs> laughed so fucking hard that he like jumped up and I was like, oh, 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 and I like couldn't fucking handle it. And, uh, not, yeah, not I was who talks to themselves like that? Yeah, the whole thing was such like a weird movie moment, but I hadn't thought of that in a million years. And that came to me today. So that's that's a that's a curb memory I have from the probably this season. Who doesn't just think that in their head? Who says it out loud? I don't yeah. know. All right. So. If there's nothing else, let's kick it over to the green light or cancel. Just because we never get to do it, Jay, let's go with you first. All right. Um, listen, I we didn't get into a lot of this stuff um, in heavy detail, but I alluded to it a few times because of the way it was shot and because of how like homemade it looked and the improv skills aren't completely polished and stuff. I had a hard time getting through it. So um, I know this show with time gets better, and it's not that I didn't find this funny at all, but I'm actually canceling this one. The The part I found funniest was him talking about his sources. That legitimately got me laughing. I thought that was really funny, and it definitely had its moments, but I don't know, right from the beginning, it was shot so dark. It's echoing. The camera works bad, and I know there's more to it, right? But you can't even credit the writing because there's no writing, and there's times where the the improv is a little off because they're going back and forth, but there's no direction. And, you know, I'm sure that, you know, a hundred episodes in like much like us, you just get better at what you're doing. But here I just thought it needed a lot of work and I got bored and I didn't want to kind of tip my hat too much, but, the, but long shot when I watched it was more an opportunity to get away from the episode for a minute. Cause it was, it felt like it was dragging for me with that in mind. I'm canceling. I have a strong feeling I'm going to be the only one, but for me, it's a cancel. You gave me a lot of shit for being the only one two weeks in a row, so fuck you. Yeah. It was two weeks in a row, though. And you, you greenlit, hold on, he greenlit, Mary happy, whatever. So, I understand <laughs> satire, and you guys don't. Yeah. That's 100% not a satire. No. <laughs> on to um, you, Joe. I understand what Jay said about the quality of it. I personally find it kind of charming, and I understand that it can be jarring, and that I don't even think it's by nature of having seen the show and knowing that I do like other episodes and have watched it all. I, it feels so real. I think part of the awkwardness of this show is that you literally feel like you're in somebody's life for half an hour and their life is fucking insane and very, very uncomfortable. I think the quality of it lends to that a little. Um, I, I was This is one of those shows, again, where I was like, I just wish I could watch the second episode right now. And I just finished what I was watching. So now this is probably what I'm going to watch in bed for the next, I don't know, two months. I'm going to go through the whole show again. I love it. It's a green light. Gordo. Jay, you're not the only one. I'm going to cancel this as well. This show was way too long. This was 28 minutes. And I am sorry. HBO, but, baby. But that's fine. But the crescendo of the show was the payoff was not there. The, there should have been something else that happened after the Kathy Griffin scene. Like he should have stood up and like had a boner or something. Do you know what I mean? Like, I feel like all these like cards were stacked and like only a little bit kind of went. And I was like, what the fuck? 
Like, I'm sure it gets better and I'm sure it's funny because I love Seinfeld. So I understand that he, that the writing and the style of these shows kind of build up to like one thing going wrong and everything goes crazy. But this just didn't do it. The payoff wasn't there for how long this episode was. Cut down six, six, seven minutes and it's probably right there. But that's the reason why I'm canceling. I want to say real quick to Gordo. With full seriousness, like he should have just stood up and had a boner, like, <laughs> with, <laughs> in a serious tone. <laughs> but and, and I do want to agree. I think he's right in that um, if they tighten these, uh, it because they have the full half hour without commercials. I feel like they they were stretching. There were points where you could have tightened this up. A few scenes could have been a little shorter. Ferg, all the problems this show has, like I can see canceling other shows for, but it's really strange that those problems work in this context of this kind of show, where like. It's just really like it's funny, like him breaking and laughing. It's like this is a show that got put out and the characters laughed on it, but it just like Joe said, it's so real. Um, these are real situations where Gordo had the pants tent before and his pants, everyday life thing. It's a very real show, but it's you know, you know, jumped up times a hundred, and it's it's funny, you know. It's you can definitely see all the Seinfeld inside the DNA of this show and. I can't cancel anything like that, so green light for me. Also, Larry's awesome. So we're at a tiebreaker. Two and two right now, right? I can't say I disagree with uh, Jay and Gordo's points. I do agree. Too long. I will say, though, I would imagine that wasn't up to them. I I would bet that Larry David, coming from where he came from, would have also wanted a shorter episode, being on you know network television with commercials and stuff like that, and spending the majority of his career writing episodes that are almost 10 minutes less i imagine he would probably prefer something like that but was told he needed to do closer to a half hour having said that the chemistry with these characters is really appealing to me or mainly their chemistry with larry not individually per se i kind of hate cheryl in this episode specifically if i'm ignoring the rest actually not even ignoring the rest she's she was never really my favorite character she's really annoying to me um and i feel like she antagonizes Larry almost and kind of puts him into these situations but uh, I got a question uh, why do you hate women (laughs) (laughs) Um, but yeah but um, other than her I mean you know I love Jeff Larry obviously the rest of the cast was funny Richard Lewis is great and I can see uh, a lot of potential I agree Jay the the times that this was made this was obviously not uh, up to snuff technically speaking, but I don't think that hinders it enough to cancel it. I'm going to green light it. I wanted to watch the second episode. Uh, I'm so far removed from watching this show that I feel like I've forgotten enough about it that I could probably watch this again pretty much new uh, without really um, remembering too much from what I've already seen. And I I, I found myself really wanting to continue the story and see what the hell else he's going to get himself into because... Um, I feel like it's it's always going to be interesting. So it's a green light for me, which is three out of five. I didn't think it was going to go this way. I thought we'd be closer to five out of five. But, me too, yeah. You know, that's what we do, I guess. I will and, say uh, the length <laughs> didn't bother me for the episode, but it did bother me for note taking. Oh, next yeah. Week, we need to go back to a 22 minute show. Holy shit. <laughs> we need a silent gonna, I don't want to spoil. I don't want to spoil which one, but we're. I think like a couple weeks removed from doing another HBO sitcom, which is going to be just as long. So yeah, be prepared. Right. 
But uh, that's all for us tonight. Thanks for listening. And uh, don't forget to head over to S1E1Pod.com to find all the links where you can listen to us uh, and also follow us on our social medias. Please go follow us. We um, and, and, and interact with us. We, uh, we love interacting with fans. We've seen a lot more of it come in lately, and we <clears throat> we jump for joy every time it happens. So um, go check that out, S1E1Pod.com, to find all the links. And we will see you next week. I think we got the best Boku. <laughs> I think we got the best fish frenzy. <laughs>